let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are um, at our new recording venue, mate, aren't we? We are. Which I've, is um, essentially I've, your new home. Yes, I've, I've moved in Lock, Sock and Barrel with Michelle in uh, Hockley, and we are using the breakfast bar, and um, we have named the venue, I believe, you've done it on Foursquare for us. Yes, day. yes, it's, it's down as an official recording <laughs> studio, so this is um, this is Dave's beer cupboard. Yep, so uh, the you will see a picture, but the beer cupboard is right behind where I'm sitting now. And it's often a place which, when I open the doors, Dave, our bulldog, will sit in front to guard my many beers. Yes. And um, while we're mentioning Dave, um, kind of uh, sort of the show's official mascot, uh, <laughs> he's now here laying on the floor next to us. So if you do hear some interesting noises in the background, it's just Dave going about his normal business because we can't move him from, yes. from this room. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So um, keep a, keep an ear out for that. Uh, I do just want to take the opportunity, though, right at the start to, to say a massive thank you to Dan from Licorice, um, who provided us with... What was a temporary home for a number of months for, yep. for, for our recordings? Um, it was a great venue to use because obviously we had beers pretty much on hand for, for most of the times that we were recording there. Yeah, no, it was very handy. I mean, it was uh, logistically, it was really handy for us where we had to spin off on the train. And when we had a couple of guests coming in, they were able to join us quite easily as well. Yeah. So, no, thanks very much, Dan. Um, obviously, we will both be popping in at various times to, to buy some beers anyway. Of course, we'll, so we'll still be there. Yeah. keep up the good work and carry on expand, expanding that beer range, as you have been doing. Yeah, exciting stuff down there. Um, so, let's, um, let's get into the first beer, because we've got a number of beers to get through tonight. Uh, we've been quite lucky recently in terms of we've been sent quite a lot of beers by uh, four different breweries. So we're going to we'll try to squeeze as many squeeze of those into, in. In, into one show as we can. So, so first up this evening, we are going to be tucking into Heathen um, from Abbeydale Brewery. And this is their American Pale Ale. comes in a 330ml can. So cheers, mate. Cheers. It's got a lovely nose on it. Hasn't so it? fruity. I think we both fought it when I opened the can. Yeah, but that's... Um, I mean, there's loads of fruit going on in there. There's a little bit of mango, loads of citrus in there oh that zingy that is ticking a lot of boxes for me well, for it's, American really, it's, it's really dry isn't it mm. it's got um, but it's it's very like, spritzy you know it's fresh feels fresh in the mouth doesn't it? it it feels it feels exceptionally fresh in the mouth I mean it's it's what 4.1% so it's so it's not not massive ABV to, to be starting <laughs> not compared to the last show anyway <laughs> not, not compared <laughs> To, to the last show in, indeed no 4.1 4. got nowhere near the last show yeah um, but no that's that's um, that's a tasty little drop yeah I mean um, just for, you know bypassing some of the uh, the gum from the side but going to the, the factual bit uh, a wonderfully refreshing American style pale ale showcasing the marvellous mosaic hop light and sessionable birds with tropical fruit flavours and plenty of citrus bitterness which I think we've fairly much said already um, yeah and we're, we're both both uh, big mosaic hop fans anyway so it sounds like maybe it's a, a single hop beer as well, because on the side of it, it yeah, it's the only hop mentioned. Four point one. Yeah. There's loads of that going on. There is, um, and I mean, as, as we say, that that was sent to us by uh, Laura from Abbeydale Brewery. Um, Laura did join us on the Crimbo Crawl. Uh, you, you'll remember her quite clearly because she was the one that turned up absolutely hanging 
in in the morning. Oh. But then was going strong by sort of seven o'clock in the evening. She had found what was a second and then maybe a third wind. Is that Jim's partner? That was Jim's partner. Yes. Jim went the other way. Jim went. Jim crashed and burned early. And I think it, had it not been for that. Laura would have kept going. I, th- I think eventually she, yeah. she she had to take him home. But um, yes, yeah, so really grateful to, to Laura for sending this sending this one and a couple of others. Uh, one of which we'll be featuring later on in the show because yeah. it is um, back into that kind of double IPA territory. Yeah, we'll maybe more to. than one of those. I believe today's <laughs> there might be we might be creeping back up towards the high ABVs uh, by the end of the show. So um, let's let's have a little look back at what we've been up to since. The Cannonball Run. Since the Cannonball Run. <laughs> um, which was kind of, as we recalled now, almost two weeks ago to the day that we recorded that show. Yeah, because it was part sort of slap bang in the middle of me moving, wasn't it, at yeah. the time? So it was, I'd done a lot of the, the grunt work on, the, on that Tuesday, and it was actually the moving the stuff was the Wednesday, wasn't it? So yes. yeah, it is two weeks since yeah, we recorded yeah, two it. two weeks. I mean, I don't know about you, I still think it was, a, I really had fun recording that. I, I had a great fun, and, and listening back to it as well. Uh, probably not one of my finest moments how <laughs> quickly I went down at the end but fantastic save from you mate to, oh, to, you know, to, well, to bring that show in it's supposed to be about teamwork so it's, uh, it had to it had, you had to be helped out at that point otherwise that could have been a lot of re-recordings uh, very much so <laughs> and I think in that time um, we've both revisited the beers as, as well yes. have, haven't we so I think you did yours I did mine two nights later <laughs> literally <laughs> right on top of it Um I did mine uh, this past weekend, as as we recalled, and I did think the uh, and I only did the classic Cannonball Run because I didn't I, I didn't have a can of, out yeah. Um, I did think that the human in particular had begun to change a, a little bit in terms of, of of the beer that it was. I, I think I messaged you and said yeah. it's it's kind of. I, I remember when we poured it, it was quite hazy. Yeah. It's cleared up a little bit now. You, you can actually see through it, and it was tasting more like a double version of Cannonball, which is, I, I assume, what they always set out yeah. for human Cannonball to be. And unhuman Cannonball has just become this ridiculously drinkable drink. It's just so easy to drink now. I mean, like I said, I haven't revisited them since the the two days between each ones, and I, this was obviously a more sensible way than the second time around because I shared them with Michelle. Yeah, um, I, I still think you know it's as far as the lineup goes, and it's now the fourth year I've done the whole lineup of the three main beers. Um, I mean, the three beers were so consistent, yeah, and felt like they were getting to the top of what they were supposed to be. So I, I, I really enjoyed them. I really, I really enjoyed them, and I'm, I look forward to revisiting them again. Well, we're going to get an opportunity to on uh, the weekend, aren't we? Because we're going to have them on tap, aren't we? Yeah, we're actually going to be trying them all on keg. Yeah, uh, the craft beer shop, um, yes, in, which is uh, ours by Mouse shop front. Yeah, so in Billericay. Yeah, they're doing like a Father's Day weekend festival, aren't they? Yes, yes. Um, I, I, you may have to stop me because it, the, the 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 ticket does say you can get a free pint. I, I, I really don't want to be trying to argue that I want a pint of unhuman cannibal. I probably will try and stop you. <laughs> for the, for, if not for your sake, for the sake of your boys. <laughs> when you think about the children, <laughs> for God's sake. Um, so what, what else have, have you been up to, mate? I mean, I've, I've, I've only really had one uh, night out since, since the last show. What, so that was, was Bottle Share? Which was Bottle Share. I mean that was a big um, that was a big night. It it was. I mean I've 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 written on, on my notes here tonight, biggest bottle share ever. 
Um, I think it was the biggest amount of shares, individual shares. Yeah, because we had we had sixteen people, which yeah. is which is quite big for for, for bottle share. It was one of those nights where suddenly everybody was there. Yeah. Um, and I think what was the great thing about this particular share was occasionally you'll get bottle shares where you get lots of very similar styles. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that people will bring just because some people will bring things that are on trend some people will bring things that they've been aging and, and sometimes it just happens that people bring yeah, the same almost styles become, almost becomes a theme doesn't it yeah but I think the thing for me about this one was across those 16 beers that we shared I don't think there were two identical styles of beer that we shared that evening nothing 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 comparatively like for like yeah. I think we covered a lot of the genres and the styles. I thought I, I didn't have, I, I don't know if I had what I'd call a standout night in regard individual beers, but there was a really good consistent range, really good consistent range. I really I, I thought it was um, a really fun night, and I, would none of it, no one could really get away at a proper time. No, no, it just kept... It was after 10 o'clock. Yeah, it just kept going. Was there, um, would you say there was a standout for you? Because there was one standout beer for, for me that I've made a note of, which was uh, a beer called Fun- from Funk Estate, which was called Get Up, Get Down, which was, uh, it was a sour beer. Was that like the uh, the gateway sour? Yeah, and, and I said, I, I, that's exactly how I described it on, on Untapped when I checked it in the next day, that it was, a, it was a gateway sour, it was really easy to drink, really fruity on the nose, not overly sour, and just really, really enjoyable to drink. And, and the brewery actually came back to me as a result on that twi- uh, of that check-in on Twitter and said, that's exactly what we were aiming for with that beer. You've nailed the description there. So I'm, I'm actually quite... That's quite nice. That's that, that quite nice to hear. I mean, quite... I that, that one I gave it four out of five, so it was definitely right up yeah. there. I think it was just so surprising as well. Well, I'm not a massive sour fan no. either, am I? And for, for me to say that I read the standout beer for me in an evening of 16 beers was a sour... Is, is, is quite a statement. It is a statement. I mean, as ever, I mean, we had um, someone picked up uh, three bottles of Colonel, didn't they? Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of their dark beers, wasn't it? It was Black IPA. Yeah. And that, that was tasting good. That was, another, yeah. that was another four out of five. Yeah. Not really surprising four out of five, though. Well, Colonel basically starts at 3.5, doesn't yeah, it? When, so, when you check them in. Um, but no, I, I think the, 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 sour, the sour I really enjoyed. I don't know if I had anything over the four. On a Tuesday, uh, no, I don't, think I, I don't think I went that high. But we, we, we had some really good beers, some good fun. I guess the only thing was because we had sheer numbers for those beers, which you thought, oh, that's really nice. It was gone. That's that's the problem. And um, we were really, I mean, we were really dragging out those pours. Yeah, we, because the end. Most of us have brought generally bring the seven fifties. Occasionally, people bring a couple of the four forty milliliter cans. And some people bring free free thirties, but even the free free thirties, people were struggling to get yeah. them to to go through fourteen to sixteen people. Well, wasn't well, didn't uh, Julia actually bought her beers from the, the, the bar because yeah. she wasn't expecting to stay? She, yeah, but why did she turn up on a Tuesday when she knew us that we're going to be there and not go yeah. stay? Well, well, she got dragged into it, and and she bought I think she bought three cans of uh, the Magic Rock Botany of Desire, which yeah. is a five hundred mil can. And even those three cans still wasn't a massive pour that we were no, getting. No, not, a, a, a not compared to what we've been used to before. We yeah. had like eight or nine of us maybe sometimes. But no, yeah, I thought it was really good. It was it was, it was really nice to have a, a good turnout as well. Yeah, it's and continuous not a and kicking from from strength. I think we're up to about something like four hundred and forty odd unique beers. Yeah. That, that we've had at Bottle Share now, which is a, just a great way of trying 
uh, new beers yeah, for, the, for, for the first time. The, the, the carnage you don't tease in July. Uh, yes, yeah, which is where uh, everything goes to, to Yeah, for, 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 for anyone who's interested, basically it's just a case of usually we try to have some sort of order to the events, whether that be ABV or style. Um, what we do on the, the July one is we just put everyone's name in a hat, whoever's name comes out, you open your beer. Yeah. So you could end up with your MP Stout number one, and you could um, end up with your low ABV pale ale at the very end. You could. Either um, way, it usually ends up a bit messy. It, it's. I think there hasn't been a July yet where it's it's not been <laughs> messy. Um, so that, that's all I've done. Uh, you've you've had quite a busy time. You've just uh, you've just come back from Eastern Europe. Haven't yes, you? I was in uh, Krakow for the week. Krakow or Krakow, however you decide to pronounce it. Um, I was it's annual trip with me and my brothers. Um, although middle brother Paul managed to miss his flight at Dusseldorf. As he didn't seem to rant too much about the transport or the airport or the planes, me and mm. uh, my youngest brother, Brian, suspect that he perhaps didn't get his timing quite right. Ah, okay. And so it, was, it was his own fault, was it? Or at the very least, didn't leave himself much slack. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, he didn't join us. It was just me and Brian. Um, but what we'll say is my brother had booked, um, it was very basic accommodation, but did everything we needed to do. It was three single beds, bathroom, wardrobe, some lockers. And it would have been about 73 quid a night if it had just been three of us paying it. I think it was 114, three nights including breakfast. Oh, it's not bad um, at all, is it? Five minutes walk to the old town, five minutes walk to the train station, tram lines out the front, perfect spot. Yeah. Um, we'd already, I'd already done a little bit of looking to see what sort of uh, beer places might be available. <laughs> of course you had. <laughs> well, you know that you're going to be able to get a lot of touristy places. They've got a very traditional market, big square. So loads of places there you can go and eat and drink. Um, most of those places for me and my brothers the sort of places we, we tend to try and avoid when we go away for a weekend is more the ones down a side street or something unfortunately where we were we had uh, within half a mile of the department three out of the top ten on one of the local sites of their craft beer place recommendations oh excellent um, one place aptly titled the beer house yeah so that was quite easy um, and, and a few other ones and it seems like the, the Polish craft beer scene certainly in um Krakow is, is, is going wonders. And I um, also managed to find a cask-only brew pub as well. Really? Yes. The, the only thing they brew and serve is cask beer. Um, this was on a Sunday night, a place called Tea Time. Um, I liked it. The pub was lovely, and it was a lot of London theme about it as well. Uh, they give you a little pot where you can go and pour peanuts yourself. You okay. can just go back and top them up whatever you want. Yeah. No problem is you start eating peanuts. It's very hard to stop. And um, they had some nice cast beers, but they hadn't quite nailed the ones I'd had. There was a few which were like, yeah, I didn't really enjoy that. Um, but and they only did they did half pints or pints, proper half pints and proper pints, yeah. as opposed to your European measures. So, so when you say they didn't nail it, was that that they didn't nail the style, or they didn't nail the More, style for cask? Um, somewhere in between both those statements. So there was one, a couple of the beers were just a bit unbalanced. Um, I don't think it would necessarily have worked on a different dispense method. I think they were just a bit unbalanced. Okay. Um, but I like the concept, and it did have the traditional hand pull pumps. The, the 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 pump clips looked fairly similar to what you see over in the UK. Um, so it was nice. It was nice to nice to go over there. And um, another place went to which I want to give a mention to is Viva La Pinta, which is if you do go to Krakow and you want to go to the main square, this is about twenty meters away from the main square but 20 metres the right side of the main square. And again, 
La Pinta brew their own beers, not on site, but this is like their, where they sell them. But they have a good range of bottle beers, they have a good range of other beers, the food is good, and the guys behind the bar, um, especially one I got talking to, more than happy to give you a bit more, bit of his time telling you about the beers if you show any sort of interest. And um, they've got time, because you know, it's a popular place on a Friday and Saturday. And uh, just, you know, one beer that he did, um, I did pick out from the fridge that I tried was a um, made of hops from Argentina and then um, they used Polish rye in the build. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it came out very much like a um, traditional barley wine. Yeah. Just with that little bit more of that rye spicy sweetness, but really well balanced it was as well. And I never knew you got hops from Argentina. No, he said it was a. It's a little bit of a pet project for the brewery. They yeah. go to places around the world for place to because Poland isn't necessarily known for making anything other than perhaps lagers. So they've decided to go and take that, go and get hops from other countries, bring them back to Poland, use those very same hops in a beer they want to make. Brilliant. Uh, so it's obviously some sort of little quite, project quite, and stuff. Yeah, very experimental as yeah. well, isn't it? And yeah. the guy, like I said, once the guy spotted which right, he came over and said, look, you can't have it yet because I need to come and tell you about it first. <laughs> Great. I was more than happy with that. <laughs> I'm all ears. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, without going too much detail, if anyone is planning on going in the near future and wants uh, to know where we stayed or wants to know top, top tips about where to eat and drink, message me and I'll let you know. It's a top, top weekend. Um, do, do you think you'll put a blog together eventually on that one? Occasionally you do, don't you, yeah. on, on, on your trips? I would love to. It's just time. It's yeah. just time with work at the moment. You know, the, the real world does tend to just get in the way of beer sometimes. It's really annoying. Um, but I would like to because I think there's some really nice places I'd like to talk about a bit more. So yeah. I should um, bug me, remind me again. Watch, watch out for that one in about years' yeah. time. <laughs> when everyone's forgotten I went. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's really about it. But I mean, that was a good four days. I'll tell you what I did have though. Banging pint of punk IPA at Weber Spoons at Gatwick. Oh, really? And I used the Weber Spoons app for the first time. Well, so you got it actually delivered to your table? To be more precise, I did it on my brother's because yeah. he had the app because Emil and Keynes, he goes there more often than me. And um, we still had about 25 minutes before we had to go to our gate. I said, look, it's getting quite busy. You know that early breakfast crowd? You get yeah, the yeah. And um, we had about a third left. He said, well, let's order it now and see what happens. Four minutes, another two pints turned up. Only took four minutes from the time we ordered it to turn Brilliant. up. Um, because obviously you can't, any sort of specials or guests don't appear on the app. It's, just, yeah. it's the generic. And obviously punk is now part of the generic. Um, and I tell you what, they were tasting really fresh. It's it's interesting because I've... That's probably just timing. Yeah. I, I've been in Spoons uh, recently where I was waiting to be ordered. And there, there were a couple of bar staff on and, and one of them was, was serving people and then the, the other one was just pouring pints. Now I'm assuming that they were app orders. So either Spoons must be prioritizing the orders that come through on the app over, over people waiting at the bar or they have a dedicated member of staff that's just there just to pour pints that come through on the app. I reckon it's like some, but if you think about some bars which do table service, those people only do the table service. So I reckon they're just applying yeah. the same thing. So it's almost the app is just a method of the order. They've got somebody who's dedicated to doing table service. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, four minutes at a busy airport. That's, you, you've got to be happy yeah. with that, haven't you? I mean, I, I give my brother the money saying, look, well, if they take too long, we won't, it won't be a case of we'll be able to argue that one because we yeah. have to go and get the plane. Yeah, yeah. But four minutes, banging pint of punk. Great stuff. 
Great stuff. Well, I've just got the, the, the other thing I wanted to mention was um, just a couple of beers I had as well, and and, and what they made me do as as, as a result. <laughs> bear <laughs> with me, bear with me on this one. So I ordered the um, the, the, the two Cloudwater uh, the the remake and the reimagining of the version three that they released recently. Oh, okay. also, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've seen a bit of. Uh, traffic about that on Twitter and stuff so come on then. yeah so the version version v3.1 was their reimagining of of that beer so yep. it was it was taking the, the the recipe as it was two years ago when they mm-hmm. first released it and it was brewing it in the way that Cloudwater produced beers now so as, as you can expect it was a, it's a lot thicker mouthfeel had more of that kind of sugary juiciness to it yep. um, it's hard to say whether there was any remnants of the version 3 in there because it was two years ago so, so I couldn't I couldn't remember what version 3 tasted like two years ago and even checking my untapped uh, notes they weren't particularly helpful but the version 3.1 2018 which was the remake was closer to the beers that Cloudwater were making back then. So it was a lot clearer, it was a lot crisper, there was more resinous to it. So it was more like your your classic style of, of, of double IPA. Because I think a lot of people have a lot of affection for version 3. Yeah, I think I'd, I've gone on record many times to say it was my standout beer of the series. Yeah, I mean. and I think it was my one. I think for a lot of people it may have been the one they came to first as well. Because version 1 would have bypassed a lot of people. Yeah. I got hold of version two through you, and then you start looking at the rest of the series. So, for me, I've got a real soft spot for the original version. It, it was the one that was most widely available of, of from that point on. Yeah, because they started getting out more. But but what it what it made me do was it actually made me go back. I, I got into a uh, conversation with someone on Twitter over, over one of my check-ins on one of those beers, and it made me go back and actually recheck all of my untapped scores. For, for the old V series. And did they tally with your own recollection? Well, again, I think I've said this before, that version 3, I only scored it a 4, which was lower than version 1, 2, 5, 6 and 8. But despite me saying many times that version 3 was the best version, I, I scored five other versions better than it. But it was interesting because I, I looked across my scores and from from versions 1 to 8... On average, I scored them at 4.375. So that, that's quite a high average that's a high standard. For, for that series of beers. And then version 9, I scored at 3.75. I then never checked in versions 10 or 11 or 12. And then when I finally checked in the last one they did, which was version 13, I only scored it at 3. Now, for me, that, that, that showed a particular pattern in terms of the beers that I like to drink and the point at which Cloudwater started changing their style in the beers, yeah. but also a time at which I be- started becoming less FOMO about things. And it was it was really quite... And it was one of those occasions where I was really grateful for Untapped, having that detail to go back in and look at those previous scores and say, well, actually, these eight versions, I scored those really high. And I can pinpoint the point at which Cloudwater changed their style approach. I think it wasn't just, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was necessarily just the style because I think, I remember us discussing it at the time, but didn't the gap between the iterate, the numbers start getting closer to each other? 
So there was a fairly decent gap between releases one, two, three, and four. And then we started to get a little bit, effectively building up to that monthly series then they did for yeah. a while. Um, and I think also that, I think that probably played a, may have played a part in your, I don't know, maybe ambivalence. Um, yeah, possibly. Because if they're turning up all the time, then you probably think about it less, don't you? Yeah. As well. And if you then see a few other descriptions where the, what they describe is either not the style you're after or seems very like the last one, then yeah, you're probably thinking, okay, well, if one turned up, fine. Or if one in the local shop turned up, but maybe I don't need to hunt it down. Whereas we did a little period in the middle there where we hunted them out. Yeah. I cer- certainly remember the early versions. I, I was hunting them out all the time. But that also coincided when when I was lucky enough to be in Leeds uh, a lot and I was able to, to pick them up from Little Leeds Beer House. Yeah, because I think that's where you got version two for me, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. But I, d- I just found that quite interesting yeah. that on drinking a beer prompted me to have this discussion on, on, on Twitter, which then prompted me to look back over the scores of an entire series. And it did show a pattern there in, in terms of a number of things. Well, I think that's quite interesting. I mean... I know we're diverging just for a moment, but I, since 2015, when I've done the human and unhuman cannonballs, I know you always have the option of the year as well, don't you? Yeah. The first time I checked that beer in, I always use just the same beer. So I don't use the 20. So you can see a pattern. Yeah. So if I look at my unhuman check-ins or human check-ins, I can go back and see it all in one sort of flicking through your screen rather than saying, right, I've got to look at the 15 version, the 16 version, the 17 version, the 18 version. If I have later iterations of it, it's possible, but I do check it in because it might be a badge. Yeah. Having an extra one. But it will all be in one. It's, it's, it's just how we use it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then just the, the last thing on, on beer that I just w- wanted to mention, um, again, which is something we've spoken about a few times now, is is the Brewdog fanzine. Um, again... I haven't had the most recent three yet. Have you not? No, because of the moving house and doing the cannonballs and then going away. Yeah. They're currently in the cupboard behind me. Oh, uh, well. But no, uh, feel free to share your thoughts. Uh, well, no. Uh, no, no, that's fine because I mean, most people have shared their thoughts online already anyway. Uh, the lager was good. Um, I thought the, 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 the English IPA was the first miss that, that we've had in Fanzine. It, it didn't really do a lot for me. Didn't really like what was going on with the flavours. Um, but there's one in there called Hop Shop, which is a double IPA, West Coast double IPA, that is absolutely incredible. It, it ticks all of the boxes for me in, in terms of IPA, double and West Coast. I was surprised to see the English one in their selection because it's not something I often see brewed or games do, to be honest. No, and interestingly, it's labelled slightly different as well, the, yeah. the English one. Labelled as small batch, whereas that's the first time I've seen that label. Yeah, the rest of them have all been very consistent, in, haven't they? Yeah, but again, the interesting thing with Fanzine is that we're now seeing, I suppose, the results of what Brewdog were hoping to do with this a little bit, which was the Jet Trash, which was one of the beers in the first Fanzine, yeah. is now available as a Brewdog beer. To, to, to buy in its own right in cans and in bars. I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I've got no problem with being used as a guinea pig. I have. Not when the beers are as consistently good yeah. as, as they have been. I've got no problem with it. Keep it, keep it coming, yeah. as, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you've opened another can, Steve, but before you tell us about this one, final thoughts on the Abbey Down? Uh, it's really, really drinkable. Superbly sessionable. Yeah, disappointed that we had to share a 3.30ml, to be honest with you. I know, I mean, look at us, we're sharing a 3.30ml at 4.1% and we drank 
13 point something <laughs> 500 milliliters yeah but that was just just part of part the, of the fun the whole experience really wasn't but, um, it I thought that was a really nice drink I mean that was bloody tasty that was it, fruity zingy I thought the carbonation levels were just spot on as well it was exactly what I would want in that style of beer and even if I look at and I'll show you this and obviously our listeners won't be able to see this but um, Laura did send us through an information sheet on Abbeydale Brewery look at those pints of the the beer that was just drunk in the bottom left hand corner those pints of Heathen just you could sit in a pub garden all afternoon and just just drink that constantly yeah I mean if you had had a hot day and you really wanted something that would be nice first quenching I say notice it's got the Voyager underneath which we tried when we were in Sheffield yes that was the last we saw Jim wasn't it that was after he handed out cans to everyone. He disappeared. He, he went. He, he went down quite hard after that. <laughs> I, I, I think. But um, no, so thank you very much for sending that out. Um, that would be one of those beers which you wouldn't really care about the percentage. It's just a lovely beer, you'd, and you'd be quite happy to drink that, wouldn't you? Yeah. If you've given a pint of that and you, you tasted that, I mean, for for me, I really enjoyed that dryness in it. That, yeah. That's what really brought it to life for me. Well, because it also made you go back to it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So next up, we've got uh, this is from Eden River Bruco, um, who were previously known as um, just the Eden Brewery. Um, they've, they've gone through a slight rebranding uh, and renaming. This is a Ragnar Raspberry, and it's a, it's a wheat beer that, that we're, we're going to be trying. So I presume time. it's a bit of a. Well, I'm expecting a bit of a fruity, fruity number. Then I, I am indeed. Uh, cheers. cheers. You certainly get the raspberry on the nose. And you do get that sort of slight whiff of banana you'd expect from the wheat as well. Yeah. And the the, the colour of it, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely on the hazy side, which you often get yeah. with a wheat beer as well. So styling-wise, it's, it's spot it's, on, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Called a raspberry. It's definitely the overpowering flavour straight away. Oh. Um, yeah. And that really lingers around as well. Yeah. It's very, dry, again, dry at the finish. I wouldn't say it's overly sweet. No. It, it's raspberry ripple ice cream is what I'm thinking right now. I think that's a good shout. Raspberry ripple that's ice cream that, is what yeah. it's reminding me of. But again, nothing too sweet. Or even that like the raspberry thing you used to put on the vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Well, this is, um, again, sent to us by um, Linda from Eden River. Bruco, Bruco, uh, and and Linda's the brewer there. Um, so so she sent us uh, a, a few cans, and again some some information that she sent across. So this is a five point seven percent wheat beer. Um, it's it's a style of beer that they've not attempted before. So this is their first attempt at doing a wheat beer. Um, they've used German Huel melon flower hops, which went into the kettle, and then five kilograms of the French Barb Rouge pellets. So, um, German and French hops. Was there any raspberry added? In, uh, it, there must have been raspberry added. Surely. To get those flavours. No, I can't say. Uh, well, summer freshness of raspberries woven with. No, I, I can't see. It's a, well, I don't, if someone could let us know, that'd be great. Yeah. But, unless, um, unless that's what the, the French Barb Rouge pellets are. Could be. Maybe they're, they're raspberry pellets that, that they added. Could be. Because as far as I know, hops aren't widely grown in France. No, but as I said, you know, maybe maybe they might have something somewhere. But I mean, it's a, it's a really nice marriage of a couple of flavours and styles in there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, nice. I'm really enjoying that. I mean, I'm not. You're normally, not a wheat beer fan, really. It's are not you? normally the sort of beer that that I dive straight into, but no, just that, just you know from what? the nose on that. Because I think uh, what can for a lot of people, yeah, referring back to my youngest brother, he loves a wheat beer. That'll be his go-to beer, and um, I think for some people that overriding, say banana or cloves and bubblegum, can be a bit much sometimes. Whereas I think with this raspberry. It masks it. Takes a lot of it off. Yeah. It's there, but it takes the edge of it See, off. I'm getting none of it, and that's it's normally those flavours that put me off of yeah. a wheat beer. I am getting none of that. What I'm getting is this lovely, sweet raspberry. It's it's almost tart, It's it's but it's not overly tart. No. It's maybe going that way a little bit, but initial thoughts are, that's really nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to working yeah, that way through this. This is a 440, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, Which obviously is no other type of can apart from a 440 can. There are only 440 mil cans, yeah. and they are not any tall be, boys. They're not to be called anything else. No, neither are 500 mil cans. Uh, there's a very specific measure for a tall boy, <laughs> apparently. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's let's crack into some some news. So, I'm going to start off with uh, hot off the press news. Uh, I've just got tickets to Indie Man for this year. Oh. Um, so, so literally, so uh, our, our art director has come through for you. He, he has indeed, because you're unable to make it, yep. sadly, due to some work commitments yep. on, on the weekend. But, but Clayton and I have just secured Indie Man tickets for the Saturday afternoon, which is anyone that's been to Indie Man before will know that that's the session to, to, to go to. That's the one that everybody wants to be at. So uh, I'm looking forward to returning, a triumphant return. After a year to, off. To Indie Man this year. No, that'd be good. I, as you know, I, I was definitely going to go, but I, I'll be flying out to Holland on the uh, Sunday morning, Sunday lunchtime. So we'll, we'll try not to enjoy it too much, mate. I'm sure you will fail miserably. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. So we're, we're doing it as a day trip, so the, the, the train home should be interesting, well, if it, nothing it, else. It usually is. <laughs> Well, I've never done it as a day trip. You guys, you oh, guys have always we, done it. Me as and Clayton have only ever done it as a day trip. Yeah, I've I normally go up and spend. In the past, I've spent the, 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 I, the entire weekend there, and most of the time in the festival as well. So I, I, I would look forward to the day trip experience. Oh, and cool. Shall shall await Greater Anglia doing all that they can to ruin it for oh. me. Oh. That's a natural, natural <laughs> of course problem. it is. Uh, anyway, back to back to the real news. So first of all, we've got uh, the news that the camera chief executive Tim Page uh, stepped down. So um, this was following the results of the revitalisation project in April. Um, Tim decided to to, to step down. Uh, he had been quite a, a strong campaigner for for the revitalisation oh, project. Know, I think I mean without comparing it too much to Brexit, I think he was the, he was the bit of the David Cameron, wasn't he? He had hoped it would. All of the points would pass, yeah. if I remember correctly. So he was quite a big advocate of it. And if you, three years, the revitalisation project roughly started around about the same time from its genesis, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can understand why he's decided that, okay, that's not for him anymore. So yeah, probably not unexpected. No, but obviously good luck to him in, in, in any future endeavours that he, he decides to, to, to get involved with, whether yeah. it be within or, or outside of the industry. He didn't come from within the industry before, did he? No, he was he came from outside, didn't he? Yeah, I reckon, he, I reckon he'll return to the non-beer world. That's my suspicions. Yeah, well, only time will tell yeah. with, with, with that one. Um, next up, so uh, we mentioned this uh, before things got too silly on the last show, mm-hmm. um, which was the the, the, the rumours that were circulating about uh, Beeftown and Heineken. Yes. Um, 
as is always these things, the day after yes. <laughs> that last show, uh, again, uh, the news broke that Beaver Town were to open a microbrewery at the new Spurs station. Um, station? Station? News, new, new Spurs Stadium uh, in, in, in North London. Um, now, obviously, prior to that, it had been announced that Heineken were the sole supplier yeah. to, to, to White Hart Lane. So, obviously, straight away... Everybody added one on one and made two, yes. and, and, and said, "Well, you, how does that happen if if talks aren't taking place?" Um, I mean, it's great news for Beaver Town that they've they've got this facility in in the new stadium. Oh, and it's great for football fans. I mean, I, I guess it also depends um, how much of the football stadium they've got, because I imagine, without knowing too much about the White Hart Lane setup, it's going to be there's going to be more than one bar. Yeah, and are all the bars going to have it, or is it just going to be something for the home fans? Is they going all of them have it? I mean, if all of them going to have it, that's that's quite a lot. It's located in the southeast corner of the stadium, alongside the marketplace. The microbrewery will be the source of craft beer that will be served throughout the stadium. Well, that's pretty impressive. So they're going to have one spot where they're actually doing the craft beer, but presumably they'll also have their standards available as yeah. well. Because I would have thought that a microbrewery that size won't be able to do match day. Well, I mean, it doesn't doesn't say here the size of the brewery that's been installed there, um, but they are going to be brewing. So there's going to be a Spurs uh, times Beaver Town collaboration beer and Neck Oil Session IPA, and both of those are going to be available throughout the stadium. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it is impressive. I mean, I can't. Is there any other football stadium that have a brewery? Not a brewery, no. Um, I mean, we've spoken before about how, uh, obviously, Magic Rock supply beers to, to Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, this is this is an absolute first. I mean, this is a proper association. I mean, there's, there's probably a few Beaver Town drinkers they might lose now who are supporting the other side of North London. Yeah, possibly, but I, I, th- I think the interesting thing is, obviously... It fueled those flames, those oh, did it ever. flames, and, uh, and uh, not uh, surprising because you you know the money that Heineken and the subsidy that Heineken give a football club usually would be a lot more than a brewer, even the size of Beaver Town. Yeah, yeah. And then to further fuel those flames, there was then, um, and, and a lot of people have commented on the way this was done. There was there was, there was an Instagram post. Now I didn't see this from the the, the Val. Brewing Co. who are from the the state uh, and are staunchly independent um, and they were due to be attending the Beaver Town Extravaganza in September who announced via Instagram that they wouldn't be going because they had and, and all they cited was they had their own plans to do things in the UK later on in, in the year. Now again obviously that then sparked the, the rumour mill <laughs> when started up again because people were saying well no they've pulled out because of this Heineken thing. Um, it's interesting isn't it? There, 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 there seems to be these little snippets keep coming out that keep hinting that something's going to happen but there's still been no announcement. No I mean it'd be, a, it'd be a massive it'd be a massive two fingers up to the craft beer bubble if Beaver Town turn around and there isn't anything to announce. Um, by the same token, it's hard to believe there isn't anything to announce. And I would say that goes back to the time they closed Brewing Q, Dukes. Yeah, that's that's interesting. 
because that goes back a, a ways now, doesn't it? Yeah, and that goes suddenly. So, and it was it was like in the run up to Christmas as yeah. well, because which we thought was strange because they would have had bookings at the time. And it would have been busy. Yeah, and you would have left it, maybe done something in January. So I just I've, I found it the actions are really strange, and it's all the bits put together. And like I said. Yeah, just to be clear, we know nothing other than the stuff we, we see on Twitter and social media and we're putting our own opinion attached to that. But you think about Duke's being closed, their beers in the supermarket, they're doing their they're, they're brewing away from their main site now because of capacity issues. They've managed to get themselves into White Hart Lane. Vale not coming over. Well they, they could be all unconnected, but it's a little bit of a string at the moment. It all seems to be there's a lot of coincidence there if it is unconnected. Yeah. Is, isn't there? I mean, I guess the main thing is for... Let's, let's hark back to what we've said before. For me, if that means that Neckall is suddenly going to turn up at one of the pubs near where I live now, I'm going to be thanking them. Happy days, yeah. So if, exactly. You know, if yeah. Neckall or Gamma Ray is on the bar instead of some of the stuff I say, I'll be thanking them. By the same token, I also acknowledge what some people were saying is that it's not just about the beer maintaining the same, it's then that other breweries don't have access to market because you start taking over the taps because and obviously Heineken own a, a lot of pubs now in the UK don't they they, they, they do the, yeah they bought yeah. a load of the, uh, the punch didn't they yeah so suddenly you could have neck oil in 12-1500 pubs that's a hell of a market it is a hell of a market and, and not, but like you say not a bad thing for the drinker but maybe a bad thing for other breweries trying yeah, to come into the market for the industry as a whole it's it could be just another one of those turning another small turning point without being the whole oil tanker shifting but you'd have to imagine then that Beaver Town would be looking to end up having some sort of site similar to Camden you think so yeah which is and they've already said they're looking for a bigger site yeah so um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure within 12 hours of us finishing this damn recording there'll be some more news about it absolutely probably the minute we, we stop the recording <laughs> and check Twitter that something would have happened um, while we're in North London uh, there was there was news that um, Pressure Drop are joining forces with Verdant um, I've said that wrong haven't I it's Verdant yep. um, uh, to launch a collaborative London bar so they're, they're calling this the experiment and it will be a new taproom retail space Located in the pressure drop former site uh, at Bohemia Place in the centre of Hackney, East London. It's due to open on Friday the 6th of July. So this is quite interesting. Uh, we've heard a lot recently about uh, we, we had more have of, of opened mm-hmm. up a, a space in Bermondsey. We've got Cloudwater going into Bermondsey. We know Northern Monk are looking at London. Yeah. Brewdog have now got two brew pubs in, in London. Um, we're now getting pressure drop obviously as a London native obviously Goose Island and Shoreditch opening up yeah. in the next couple of months teaming up with Verdant I've said it no, wrong again yeah. carry on Verdant you're, you're on a roll yeah I know <laughs> I, I know. To, I think it's an interesting I mean that takes the collaboration to a di- slightly different tack doesn't it rather yeah. than just doing bit, I, one assumes they'll also maybe there'll be some regular collaborations that they do or maybe they'll even be a a session collaboration between Well, they've already them. done one collaboration beer, haven't they, yeah. recently? But so. I imagine that, then if they're going to have a, a shared tap room, you'd imagine it's going to be almost like a joint beer on all the time, perhaps. Yeah. But um, I think it's definitely an interesting one because, you know, they obviously get on well and probably one of these conversations was sparked up over a, over a drink that neither of them thought they could do it justice on their own. And one of them probably said, well, why don't we do it together? Yeah. And they probably thought about it for a while and thought, yeah, why not? Because it's a big undertaking. I mean, 
I imagine that anyone opening any any sort of tap room, there's a lot of costs. But London is a higher cost area to suddenly open somewhere. And if you can divvy up that costs, it's got to be worth looking at, hasn't it? It has, but you've also got to maybe wonder whether this is a bit of a, a char run for Verdun. Way! Yeah, almost, almost yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's when you stopped yourself afterwards. It was less yeah, good. yeah, I know. Um, because they're, they're they've recently crowdfunded, haven't they? And they're going to be opening a, a, a tap room and sort of seafood bar in in, in Cornwall. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean that's going to be. I mean, uh, but two and completely it's, different. It's, it is, but maybe it's them learning how yeah. you go through the tap room process before they they go out on their but own. Also, access to market as well. Yeah, and again, you, you know, they're they're probably right up there at the moment with Cloudwater as one of the UK's most sought after beers oh certainly there's still enough noise about them and last year we we did one or two at least one one of them from the Little Leeds didn't we yeah beer house um, I think I actually quite like the eye sound of that I think it's really interesting because I think they're both two very different breweries yeah maybe worth a visit when it's open yeah yeah. Um, next up and this is this is quite a sad one actually that um so over the bank holiday weekend uh, at the end of May, um, uh, a group of about 100 travellers moved into the Thwaites Brewery site in, in, in Blackburn and that they caused round about £100,000 worth of damage while they were there over the, the, the weekend. How the fuck does that happen? I mean, this is me swearing a bit earlier than usual, but right, it's annoying enough that travellers have to turn up on land which isn't theirs. What is the whole destruction of property thing about? Yeah, there's the, well, that's that's exactly it. So they invaded the site, damaged vehicles, used the offices as toilets, um, ripped out wiring from from all over the place, and basically just left a hell of a fucking mess. That's just disgusting. Behind them, they were they were eventually moved on. Um, but moved on. So they moved on, but they they're not arrested. Well, they're no, not put in jail. Yeah, and this was interesting because. Um, what was it? The, the the police. So the police moved them on, but they only moved them so far as the nearest motorway junction, and that was it. They didn't prosecute them or, or anything. They so basically, get them off their patch. They here we go. So they escorted the travellers onto the M65, where they were allowed to go. So they've caused all this damage, all this destruction, all this. I can imagine it's because they can't prove who did it. Yeah. Because none of them are going to snitch on the others. Oh, of course not. So you, there is no one to arrest because it's everyone and no one. Yeah. But... How fucking annoying. So they caused... In addition to all of the damage, Thwaites had to pour away 1,700 pints in case any of it had been contaminated. So... Oh, they had no choice. That's... The, no choice. Yeah. So, so they had to pour that away. Then the follow-up news is that as a result of this... Thwaites have announced that they're no longer going to be brewing at that site. They're, they're actually now going to close that site in Blackburn because of the damage that, that, that was done to it. And this is... So, so they've been there for 211 years and they're now just closing the site and then moving on to a, to a new site, um, which is a new £12 million HQ in Mellabrook, uh, where they'll move later on in the summer. Now... That's that's just disgraceful, isn't it? That that's that's happened. No, I, the police. I, I understand their their hands are tied because they could go in there, they could interview everyone, and no one's done it. You know, the place was like this before we got here. Whatever the shit might be, but 
It's a disgrace, and that's yeah. such a shame because I mean, I mean, Fates have been looking for a site anyway, haven't they, for a while, if I remember correctly? But is it Fates? I'm sure it's Fates that had they weren't one of the ones who had downscaled their production. That they had because there was that thing, wasn't there, where the uh, the, the workers because they had they had this very famous um, light up sign that spelled Thwaites, yeah. and the workers de deilluminated it, it yeah. turned off the the light, so it spelled out Twats. <laughs> After they had sacked a load, load yeah, of them, because they down they to get into a different tax bracket. Was it duty yes, bracket? Yeah. Um, so it's a shame that they've had to do various things, but this must make them wonder. It, it must, and you, you know, all, all joking aside, let's let's not have any jokes about the seventeen hundred pints that have been poured away and whether they were any good in the first place yeah. or not. It's still a horrific waste of ingredients and time, effort, yeah, and just. The heritage of the place. I know. 211 years. And, uh, and now they've closed it. In three days. That's so sad. That is so sad. So, sad. so yeah, that's real shame to hear. Yeah. And let's let's just finish on some uh, slightly brighter news. So, um, two big little releases o- over the last couple of weeks. So, um, Adnams have released a 0.5% version of Ghost Ship, which you've had. Yes. Any good? Yes. No, I was just wondering if we ever say anything because obviously I think we'll do it on a future show. I think show. we are looking to, to future. Um, Does yeah. it... Any characteristics to the original in there? The characteristics between both bottled versions are definitely there. Okay. Um, but we are maybe hoping to do it on, on yeah. our show. And then, um, literally as we recall today, uh, Thornbridge have announced a, a beer called Big Easy, which is a 0.5% um, American Palau I think that they're releasing yep. and uh, that got a lot of attention on Twitter it did um, much excitement uh, I, I was, I'm definitely excited by it um, you know we did a show well, it'd be coming up for almost two years ago we did a show, a show yep. low alcohol beers and um, I would say even in those two years it has it has changed I could, I could name a few more now but I would definitely definitely have I mean well I mean Nanny State's been there for me for a while mm-hmm. but I could definitely name a few others um Thornbridge feels like um, if it's good, maybe a little bit of a game changer, really. That Thornbridge have done one, especially if it becomes a uh, regular. Well, yeah, it'll be. Well, hopefully, we'll, we'll be able to get our hands on both of those and a couple of others. What I would that like to see though, around. Is on those pubs which have the tap capacity, is sometimes to have some of these beers on a tap version. It would be great to see that rather than yeah. just having a bottle, because I always find it very difficult to buy a bottle of low alcohol beer. For all, maybe upwards of four or five pounds in a bar, when I can get it for one ninety nine elsewhere, yeah. um, and it's not just the cost thing. It's like, well, you haven't done any, that much extra for me to give the extra three quid. But if you had it on tab, then it may bring out something different as well. Absolutely, yeah. Have that out of that zero point five percent because that seems to be where they're targeting, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll look. We'll look forward to trying those. Um, final thoughts on the Ragnar Raspberry. I had one both... bit of news though. Remember? Oh yes, yes, you one did. Bit, Sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, I, I did some news <laughs> gathering as well. Um, Nicholson's, who um, have a lot of pubs in and around the city and Greater London as a whole, um, have announced that they've got some tam- summer tap takeovers. Now, um, I have I have some which are very close to work and some which are on the way back to the station. Um, so you may spot which bit, which bit of this news I'm particularly excited about. So they're working with Sandbrooks, Purity and Thornbridge. 
So I reckon it's the last one. For, it for could you. be. Yeah. It could be that the Formbridge bit is what piqued my interest on the news. I do. I mean, because I'm I've signed up to Nicholson's because they're always, they are close by. So when that email popped up. Uh, amongst many other emails after being away for a few days I almost did delete it because I thought yeah. it's going to be about their meals and stuff which I'm yeah. going to read and then I saw tap oh, oh, oh hold on <laughs> going to need to find out a bit more so I don't know when they're I think they've got dates for when they're doing like a couple of weeks or something like that but that obviously personally may interest no one else at all but I know that there's me and Clayton who are definitely interested yeah you know you're lining up here for the future is, is me going on about Jaipur at the brewery again. I know, no, I know. You? As you can't seem to help yourself. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Simon, don't think, don't think it has to be noticed for you egging on as well. <laughs> but yes. Well, no, both, it's, it's quite exciting actually. Yeah, to, and to, Nicholson's doing yeah. it as well. It sounds a bit like the Thornbridge residency, but a few, a few different bars. And, and Nicholson's generally do know how to keep their beers quite well as, as, as well. It's a rarity to have a bad cast, yeah. in my opinion, there. They have their two or three standards that they have on and then depending on the size of the bar anything between three and five six guests yeah so yeah definitely um that is the news now okay so so fine i mean it didn't stay in our glasses for very long no. i've still got a lovely taste of raspberry in my mouth as, uh, as well what i've really appreciated about it was and it that actually just noticed when you were reading some of the news they haven't spelt it raspberry have they I did not notice. Yeah, the bee's missing. Oh, Ross, Ross Perry. Yeah, so they're giving us the fault of raspberry because it's very hard to say those two words a bit differently. Yeah. So they know, I think that sort of hints that maybe raspberry isn't in there, but they've definitely picked something that gives it that flavour of, like I said, the raspberry ripple. Mm-hmm. What I liked about it was it wasn't didn't feel artificial. No, not at all. Some, sometimes it can feel... That, that yeah. way, kind of, no, but that, that just felt, no, yeah, no, that cloyingness that you can get sometimes from that style of beer. So, yeah. yeah, I would say that so far, two beers out of two from two new breweries doing, well, doing quite well. Not to a new breweries, we've had the Voyager before, but I haven't had the Eden Bruco before. No, 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 me either. Okay, so what's the uh, what's the next beer we're trying this evening? Okay, so this is from third different brewery for us. Uh, this is from Fallen Brewing. Um, they very kindly sent us a range of beers, but we've chosen to we've picked out a couple to do. And uh, you may hear Dave in the background a bit more because he's now playing with the Colchester United football. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's getting very excited about yeah. the Porter. Yeah, he's obviously very excited about the uh, Branch Line from Fallen Brewing, 4.7% Porter, which I have to me is looking rather nice in the glass and is pouring with a nice tight, that, that creamy look, head, isn't it? That looks beautiful in, in, in the glass there actually uh, look, I'm looking forward to this I have to admit yeah me too cheers, cheers. oh it's got a I'd say probably a classic porter nose on yeah. there which is like hints of hints of roasted maybe a little bit of smoke in there and just a li- little bit of chocolate just yeah. nothing, nothing's too much of it no no it's, it's, it smells perfectly balanced Well, I've just taken a good swig of that, and that is coming out exactly what I would have hoped for. Well, oh, it's quite um, it's a little fruity tinge to that as 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 well. Dark fruits in, in there, yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, it's made by. So this was sent to us by uh, Paul uh, at Fallen Brewery. So thanks, Paul, for the beers. Uh, you know, we are incredibly lucky to be having a whole show's worth of beers that we've been sent. 
Um, and so this is their part of their core range, 4.7% porter, uh, drier than some of its contemporaries and hopped with Mandarina Bavaria. Oh, maybe that's where we get... I might be wrong, but Mandarina, is that the... Uh, sometimes come, gives us the oranges. Isn't yeah, it? So that's, maybe, that's a, maybe gives, gives off a lot of orange flavours. That is really nice, but I'll tell you what it is, it is dry. It is dry, but it's also incredibly drinkable. Yeah, so drinkable, I'm going to have another swig before anything else. <laughs> well, while you're having a swig, let's get into this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Does the beer industry need the Portman Group? That was uh, what we went for this week. Uh, and this was based on a number of things that, that have come up in, in, in the last few weeks. So 268 people voted. Um, 84% of people said no. 16% of people said yes. And we've had quite uh, a lot of comments on, on this as well. Um, so um, should we jump into some of these comments? Yeah, I um, think so. I think let's do that because, uh, you know, Otherwise, we, we, we often start with our thoughts, but I think we had some really good comments, which I think we should do justice to. Absolutely, and it's, it's always, it, when people take the time to comment on the things we do, it, it's nice to actually take the time to actually it's, dig into them. Especially on something a bit more, I don't know, serious? This, this is slightly, slightly out of our scope, more this, serious it? for, for, you know, for us, isn't it? Probably yeah. before that was... You know about the cannibal <laughs> exactly yeah um so, so first up we had the the bearded one at the bearded one uh yes they do uh i think any level of challenge towards an industry that can cause harm is necessary do i agree with how they go about things and how they are owned and managed not really dot 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 so he didn't didn't really expand on no. on, on that one there but made made a couple of a couple of good points um, Caledonian Cider Company at Caledonian Cider said yes because people are vulnerable and business is ruthless. That's that's an interesting comment that yeah, they're throwing in there. Uh, you know, and then we had um, Mike McGuire at Mike McGuire. I've yet to see any positive comments about the group, all negative and seemingly issues that could be resolved with an ounce of common sense rather than overcomplicated regulations. And that was a bit of a theme, the, the, yes. the common sense, because James at Gammon Barron said, what ha- whatever happened to common sense, if not replaced, there should at least be a minimum amount of complaints individuals must submit before issues are taken seriously. Those individuals must also declare if they have any connection to the brewing in- industry. Now, I'm going to come in on that point because I was wondering what other uh, bodies are similar okay. to the Portman Group. Yeah. And the one that I fell down on was the advertising standard agencies. So I wondered, what, how how do they respond to complaints? Is it serious of the complaint, the numbers, etc.? And um, basically, uh, we take all complaints seriously, but we look at whether or not the rules have been broken, rather than simply basing our decisions on the number of complaints an ad might prompt. So, for me, this was the closest because advertising and some of the things which we've seen with regard to the Portman Group has been about marketing. It would appear that they're sort of in line. It's not the volume of complaints. Yeah. It's how the complaint is then perceived and judged to be. Um, I just thought it was an interesting point to make because I wouldn't disagree about common sense. Although I would fear, I would, I would say that in the world we live in these days, there's probably less of it or less of it apparent at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought I'd throw in that, you know, and this may well be applicable to other independent bodies as well or 
I say independent bodies, but self-regulatory or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah. As, as, as a counterpoint to that though, just, just to play devil's advocate for a moment, aren't, aren't we talking about very different things though? Because in, in, in terms of what the, the, the portmen are here to regulate, bottom line, it's a harmful substance. Is, is what they're regulating. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Advertising Complaints Commission are... Don't reg- you could advertise a car. Car's a weapon in the right hands. You, you can. Just to play it again, to play counter-devil. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure of the point I'm trying to make here is, is, is that one is, 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 is trying to make sure that the, the, the product that we enjoy and that we talk about is consumed responsibly and in the right hands I think the the point I was trying to make is that when you have these kind of bodies whether they be independent government or self-regulatory if they start to sort of align about how they do things then there is a process Mm. and that process is harder to challenge when similar bodies act the same way so if that's the market standard for these kind of bodies then it just adds a little bit of context to, you know, it's not overtly mentioned in some of the comments we had, but one of the instances that happened with Kutch, with Tiny Rebel. Yeah. And we'll, we'll come on to that. So, yes. so, so hold that thought because we are going to get into some of the things that um, have maybe rattled people's cages uh, yeah. about what Portman do and, and, and what they're about. Um, let's let's go through, and, and that's that's exactly what this not next comment references as well. So this is from Where's Paulie at Can I Get a P? Independence and transparency would go a long way. Just look at the tiny rebel complaints, for example. The industry needs a body like the Portman Group, but not the Portman. An open body. Right now, it feels like big brewers in bed with temperance members. And I have to admit that it was a well, it was a very good comment. I think it was it was well well said and. I think nailed a lot of the feelings that other people had as well. Well, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because for, for those people that don't know, um, that the Portman Group are funded by um, ten, eight, eight member companies. Now, five of those companies are AB InBev, Carlsberg, Heineken, Molson Coors, and Diageo. Which controls a substantial amount of the drink. Probably about 60 to 70% of the UK drinks market. I think you're being conservative there. So, and there was was an instance in um, 2014 where a a former member group um, actually made quite a public statement that they felt as though uh, the group had moved away from the founding principles and they're now dominated by large multinationals with an agenda that is at odds with the wider drinks industry so it's it's quite it's quite interesting this this independence thing has come up uh, a few times i think they probably i think that independence thing has probably always been there i think we're just more aware of the portland group and and that that awareness is is more than likely down to these quite high-profile cases that we've, we've, we've that have come to the fore uh, over the last couple of years. Well, I mean, uh, we've obviously had Quitch, and we have, we'll reference, you know, one of the other ones prompted this one for us when we get into it a bit more, but... Yeah, I, uh, 
Yeah, but before we get into what we think and uh, our thoughts on it, it's probably, let's, let's read out a few more comments. Yeah, and, and, then, and, then, and then we'll also, we'll, we'll get into our comments, we'll get into those high profile things, and we'll get into a little bit about the Portman Group yeah. it, itself for people that, that, that don't know as well. So, David Holden at David Holden underscore YA, um, whilst it doesn't need the Portman Group like any industry, it does need someone to mediate and maintain a standard. This will never happen though, as it needs to be unbiased, and the only organisations who fund it clearly only do it to benefit themselves. Um, you know, I think, I think the, and this is probably been mentioned more than once, is that it's the people behind the Portman Group. Now, I'll read out a couple of comments while you're finishing off the last beer. This this one hasn't stayed in the glass for very long, has no. it? This this porter. Um, and uh, you know, I'm opening a Nelson Savon. We've leapt up to a nine percent dipper. Of course um, we have. What <laughs> see, else would we do? See, it seems appropriate while we're having a discussion about, about the Portman Group. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to love us. Um, Abbeydale um, and a vibrant forest getting together. Um, actually, you can pour it out because I'll read out a couple of the other ones then. So, from Justin Mason at 1970s Boy. Effectively, at the present time, the Portman Group is the most consistent internal self-regulatory body that the drinks industry has. Whether it serves the needs of the beer industry properly is another point but it does its best with its own guidelines um i think it's quite a succinct point from a previous guest of the show justin yeah um sean as a service at suarez 22 but not suarez the footballer but it's like a french word that one um more... I'm, I'm glad you pronounced that because i would have gone for say arise oh, i don't think i've got it right oh, oh well uh, more i'm than... sure he knows who he is yeah more than it needs cam- more than it needs camera Someone got a camera comment in there. Ah, uh, but I'm surprised it, that wasn't me, mate. <laughs> I think you don't comment yourself on your own polls. Uh, but it also needs to move with the time. Some of its recent rulings have been stupid. Uh, we've got a few more to go, but you've pulled out the beer. Um, I have indeed. I, I, I can smell it from here, to be honest. I mean, there is a hell of a nose wafting out of yeah. that, isn't there? Oh, um, there's a... That's all the fruit. There's loads of fruit. There's, there's just a little hint of uh, dankness in there for yeah. me as well. Would you say it's almost out like that, just like hint of onion, savoury? Maybe savory. a little bit, yeah. Maybe just just right at the end, just a slight savouriness. Cheers. Oh wow, that's nice. That's all right, isn't it? That's that's really tasty. So, again, just a bit about the beer uh, before we jump back into the poll. Uh, again, thanks to Laura from Abbeydale for sending this down to us. Um, so this is collaboration with with Vibrant Forest, nine percent. Uh, Nelson Salvin Dipper Um, their tasting notes are soft and juicy light on bitterness with a luscious white grapefruit character to it Um, it's like a bitterness but it's got it's it's definitely got dryness to it at the end again we are doing well on the dry beers tonight aren't we you know just diverging when we're talking about dippers and we obviously did the poll a a while back about what people's expectations are we had people's expectations versus what they wanted I can sometimes live about the bitterness if I get the dryness yeah, the, I find those, it hard, those I find are the two hard. things that I like. I find it hard to live without both. Yeah, and, and what I don't like is the, the, the thickness and that sugary finish yeah. that you can sometimes get. This is probably getting towards that point where if it starts to get any more sugary, sweet or thick, it's probably getting towards that juice for me. Yeah, I, I think it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a gateway between the classic dipper style that you and I love the, yep. the west coast and kind of the more modern New England style 
dipper that we're used to seeing now. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's I, perfect I, I don't balance think I disagree there. with you there, and I think that's really hitting that sweet spot for those two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, a couple more comments in. Um, so from Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia, uh, the industry needs some organisation for regulation, but the Portman Group isn't fit for purpose. The only way to change that would be to change the funding of the Portman Group. CBA could do more for small brewers, but it isn't meeting their needs either. Mm. Um, maybe there's a follow-up discussion in this in terms of... About CBA. Does the industry need CBA? <laughs> who, who knows? I mean, we, we've never really dug into that one, have no, we? No, no. Um, so from Miles, number one fan, I think the Portman Group does more to restrict small craft breweries than it does to encourage them and help them grow. The idea of restricting volumes for different ABVs is sold as a drink responsibility idea, but it favours those who sell large quantities of low ABV stuff. Now, I guess this is in direct relation to the possibility of the Portman Group saying that anything that hits four units can't be sold in a self-sealed container or basically a bottle or a can, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Is what we're talking about. Yeah. So this was, uh, the set of I read it was in the morning advertiser. Could dippers be banned under new Portman Group guidelines? Brewers selling double IPAs, Imperial Stouts and other strong beer styles in large packaging formats. See? They're very good. They don't use the word tall boy either. No, they See, don't. They've learned. Could fall foul of a new review into the Portman Group's code of practice according to the Society of Independent Brewers. So, I'm guessing therefore that, uh, I think they've said that uh, a 9.1% 440. So, we've got a 9% 330. So, this would be fine. Yeah. But if this had come in the next size up, that becomes a banned, practically a banned substance. But... We've spoke about this before, or, or I'm sure we've, whether we've done it on air or off air, we, we have spoke about why are we putting, when, when we get to the, the, the dippers and, and, and the triple IPAs, why are we putting them in bigger cans? Why do we see them in 440 and 500ml cans, rather than, than putting them in the small pack cans, because that they, are, they are a higher volume, and... This, it was something that was also spoken about on um, Stephen Rowland's beer podcast, although I think it was Gary and Rowland were talking about, particularly in relation to the Cannonball beers being available in um, 500 mils. Yeah, not even 440s. Not even 440s. Now, I think what Rowland was saying was, it's, it's all right if you're going to share that with somebody, um, which, are, which a lot of people do, but if you're going to drink it on your own, like we proved could be done on on, 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 the, on the last <laughs> on the last show, um, are you you know is is that being responsible? And I think the point that that Roland made, and, and I think this is a very good point as well, was if you had gone to Magic Rock's tap room on the launch weekend of Unhuman Cannonball and asked for a pint of Unhuman Cannonball, they probably wouldn't have served you it. Or they would have certainly questioned whether you really wanted a pint of Wanted it. a whole pint. Yeah, no, I but yet that. they're quite happy to sell you a 500ml can, half a litre of of the same beer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I It's a tough one. I don't think that... Um, them being banned, I mean that doesn't. That's not really self-regulation. That's an order. 
you know, as Tiny Rebel said with Quitch before, that it's not optional. You don't opt out. You have to do it. Once uh, yeah. a proclamation has been made, so to speak, you're in. Yeah. Because you're part of the industry. Um, but has there been any dialogue? I mean, I, I guess until the question is asked of the Portman Group, have they spoken to the Magic Rocks of this world has been our most recent example. I said, would you consider going forward reducing your higher ABVs to only being 440s? Or even smaller. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, just as an example, I mean, we don't, need, we, we don't know, so we're only guessing. Yeah. Well, well, under these new guidelines, they're suggesting that a, a 330ml can would be allowed to have a strength of up to 12.1%. Which covers most bases. Yeah. But then it also goes on to say that it's, it's thought that drinks such as 750ml corked bottles, a beer, wine and champagne would not be affected by the proposed changes. What about Goose Island? As they're not designed to be consumed by one individual in a single setting. Because it's got a cork. Yeah. But you could, you could argue that point for that 500ml can of unhuman cannonball that if, strictly speaking, I could have taken one or two of those to bottle share last week and shared them with 16 people. Yeah, but let's get, just go back to that bit, right? So, Goose Island is 14.1% in a 500ml bottle, but it's not corked. Yeah. So surely that would exceed the, would that exceed the guidelines at 500ml? 500ml, um, it must do. Yes. Because it's 12.1%. Yeah. So Goose Island couldn't be sold. So, yeah, the, the, under the proposals, um, beers that would, ha- would ha- have to have an alcoholic strength of less than 9.1 for a 440 mil, 8% for a 500 mil, and then 330 yards. Yeah, so Goose Island, 14 plus, it's always 14 plus, This is the Bourbon County stuff yeah. that you, you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't talking about, wouldn't, like, honkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wouldn't be allowed to be, be sold um, here. Yeah, so again, they're, they're also talking about, if it's in a can, it's one person. Yeah. That's what they're implying. It's a can, is one person. Whereas anything with a cork, you're automatically sharing. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's the thing that I... I've shared a bottle of wine with myself. <laughs> well, I, yeah, Fre- <laughs> frequently. Generally, if I open a bottle of wine in an evening, it's not getting re exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, that, I mean, that's obviously where Miles' point is coming from, because if we think about, with the exceptions of some of the craftier patches that these companies own, they generally serve more, if we're talking about beer, is around that 4 to 5%, you know, sell it cheaper, buy it. If we're talking about, say, yeah. takeaway, yeah. it's stack them and rack them, get the best price. Not necessarily the same, same as when you go into the pub, but yeah, I think Mars's point, Mars's point is a good one, and I think we can probably dig into this a little bit more. I, th- I think we will. There's just t- two final comments I, w- I want to mention before we do dig into it. Um, so from Beer Nouveau at Beer Nouveau, so, so thanks for this, Steve. Uh, the problem is Portman Group is for the drinks industry, not just for the beer industry. So I think we need to remember that they are potentially looking at the sector as a whole yeah. here, of, of which they have a responsibility for beer. Um, and that might go back to some of the previous comments in terms of saying, well, it is an a fit-for-purpose body for this industry and, and we do need something that specifically regulates... True. I mean, beer. however, if I was really... If my, only, if my only option was trying to get pissed, I'd probably buy Sainsbury's own 700... 700 milliliter bottle of whiskey <laughs> rather than go online yeah. and order magic rock <laughs> exactly 
So the final comment is, uh, this is from Let's Drink with Formal Shark at Let's Drink underscore FS. Uh, we did a lot of research and a show about the Portman Group. So they, these guys have got uh, a blog, they do some podcasts and they do some YouTube stuff as well. Um, I don't think they work in the interest of small businesses within the industry. Um, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the podcast that they did about it because they did do quite a lot of investigation uh, around a number of the... It was a very good lesson. It, it was, yeah, and around a number of the high-profile cases, but they also had a lot of reference material links yeah. as, as well, which is well worth uh, a, a read. So th- those are the comments. Um, what, what's your gut feeling? So what's your gut feeling? So... Obviously, we've done a little bit of digging. Okay. We've had some headlines. What's what's your feeling? So, you know, we, we did go back and forth before we worded the question. We, we did because we didn't want to be seen to be... Whenever we put... Not whenever, but when we put some of these questions out, we want to try to word them in a way that doesn't lead yeah. in, in one way or the other. Or voices our opinion straight away yeah because we we obviously want to wait for this moment to, to share our views um i've got to say my my view on the group has has been largely built around the high profile stuff that, that we've seen them involved in so this this stuff around um the the, the guidelines around high abv beers the, the probably the most high profile being um, case being the tiny rebel case, mm-hmm. I, I know they've they've had unsurprisingly a couple of run-ins with Brewdog as as, as well. Well, I'm fairly certain Brewdog on at least one occasion instigated the, that one of the run-ins. That they did, they purposely went after the Portland yeah. group, um, and I think is wasn't it isn't it Nanny State that. Not necessarily, I don't think it was after the Portman group, but weren't wasn't it a Scottish government law that yeah. happened? I'm sure, it was something. Their, their response to it was to brew nanny state, yeah. which and, I suppose I could actually be grateful for that and, and call it nanny state. So, so I'm I, I've got to agree with some of the comments in terms of yes, the industry needs some sort of regulatory body, yes, um, but I, I possibly don't agree with if, if we take the tiny rebel case. That was one complaint that that cost Tiny Rebel over thirty thousand pounds to, to. But is a complaint any more serious just by the sheer volume? I don't know if it's more serious, but doesn't if, if you go back to your original comparison to the advertising, yeah, don't they have to have a number of complaints before no. they will act? Do, no. do they not? No, that's what I'm saying. They, oh, they I have... always thought they did. No, that's what I thought. That's why I went to it. From what I read. Uh, I, did, I did a bit of digging. It's not the volume of complaints; it's what the complaint is about and how that complaint is judged on its own merit. So yeah, I think I think largely my opinion might have been formed based on some of these high-profile cases mm-hmm. that, that have maybe shined a negative light on 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 the Portman group, rather than actually investigating that's what, that's what they gonna, do. That's always going to be the way, isn't it? It's the, yeah. it's the old TripAdvisor thing: people leave a bad review. That's the yeah. people pick that up straight away, don't they? And I mean. The Portman Group had been around a little longer than I thought they had been as well. Well, yeah, 1989 they, they were established. Yeah. Which was roughly the same time as the beer orders, wasn't it? I I think that's You're going to have to... I, I don't so know what beer orders The beer are. orders is when, um, when we originally had the uh, the big six, 
you know, of, of this world, yep. who used to run all the pumps and stuff, is when they then, I think when we had to then, they all had to be allowed to have the option of a, a, a guest ale and stuff like that. The unintended consequence of that was that basically the breweries eventually ended up selling up and you had the pub codes come in. I'm fairly certain 1989 was beer orders. Okay. Might have a look at it in a minute when we're sort of uh, going, going through other bits and pieces. So I'd be interested to know if that was the same sort of time. So yeah, but were you aware that they'd been around? I, I wasn't aware that they'd been around for that long. And I've, I've got to say as well, because obviously as a, as a result of this... We've actually done some reading? We, we did some reading, did a little bit of research. I, I also wasn't aware that um, they were responsible, essentially, for setting up the Drink Aware campaign as, as, as well. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that either. And I, I think most people would probably agree there is some positive merit in that. Absolutely. Um, so uh, let's, I mean, let's, let's, let's I'll give a potted history of, uh, of the Portman Group from what we found out now. So, um, as we say, established in 1989 um, by the UK's leading alcohol producers, role was to promote responsible drinking, to prevent alcohol misuse and to foster a balanced understanding of alcohol-related issues. Um, in 1996, they took on the additional role of encouraging people, encouraging responsible marketing when, in response to fierce criticism of Alcopops, it launched its code of practice on the naming, packaging and mer- merchandising of alcoholic drinks. So this is probably, I mean, I would say 1996 was probably peak hooch in in, yeah. in in bottles, which was obviously looked like a soft drink and had child-friendly marketing and, 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 and label. Okay, speaking of peak hooch, <laughs> you've, you've opened uh, another can from Eden River Bruco, uh, which has got le- lemon, lemon saison beer. Was you getting the waft of the lemon yeah. as, as, as we were talking? Is that what prompted that? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's... That, that, I reckon that's what stuck that, 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 that's, that's timing. Um, so then in 2004, um, they established Drink Aware and um, they've also run many educational campaigns to ra- raise public awareness of, awareness of sensible drinking advice and the dangers of alcohol misuse. Uh, at the end of 2006, they transferred all its educational funding and resources to the Drink Aware Trust. So, yeah, I mean... Okay, let's, so, let's, so 1989 was the beer orders, the inception of the beer orders, which was... The, uh, the supply of beer order 1989, commonly known as beer orders. Um, at the end of 1986, national brewers dominated the market and this prompted concerns about lack of competition for consumers. So th- there must have, this, this can't be a coincidence in that particular time, but you probably had almost a version of self-regulation by the, by the national brewers. Then you get market being opened up. Is there a danger? Self-regulation. And you'd probably have to. Most people probably say that self-regulation is a better option than government stepping in. Oh, absolutely. And if if you look at what their their mission is, so they recognise they have a responsibility and a major business interest in reducing the harmful use of alcohol, and have pioneered a number of innovative initiatives to educate the public about responsible drinking. So yeah. Uh, I, I think that goes hand in hand with with what you were saying. Yeah, there. Well, um, as I mentioned, the beer you've poured. Yes. Um, shall we shall we dive in and uh, see what it's like? Yes. Yeah, so this is as you say, it's another one from Eden River. This is a Leijing Lemon Saison Beer. Five point six. So we've, we've come down a notch. We've gone sensible drinking. We, we have. Cheers. I mean, it's first up. 
absolutely crystal clear, which again, style wise, is, is what you'd expect from a Saison. Yeah, and um, it's definitely got lemon. Oh, good God, it's like somebody's actually juiced a lemon into my glass. Oh, good God. That's all lemon. It's like somebody's actually juiced a lemon straight into my mouth. Yeah, and I wouldn't normally do that. Oh, great. Oh, hmm. Oh, it's got that lemon bitterness. Oh, it's good. It's, it, it's piffy, isn't it? I mean, it's appropriate that we're, we were just talking about hooch. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's up there with what hooch used to taste like, but it, it's certainly... Yeah, I'm not sure how many lemons were harmed in the making of hooch. I, I think zero. <laughs> Le- Interesting that's come back, though. It has come back, yeah. So and, a little bit of a rebranding. And well, in the same brand, it's still got the lemon with the sunglasses Yeah, but I on. think it's a little little tweak on what I used to It's more the name now, isn't yeah. it? It used to be the logo and a small name. Now yeah. it's big, the name big name, bigger. small logo. It's definitely yeah. made a bit of a comeback. And that was definitely one of the the drinks that I certainly remember being the the thing that, oh, this is a, this is attracting youngsters to drink. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, there was loads at the time, wasn't there? And But you had all the Bacardi Breezers. Yeah, Smirnoff Ice. Yeah, um, yeah Smirnoff Mule, the vodka mule. Yeah, and then what came next was all the VK stuff, so the blue stuff yeah. and, and, and all that. But yeah. these are all still in existence. That They are. And they're they still are all still in existence. Um, yeah. And uh, Alive and Kicking in Butlins, the last time I was there a couple of years ago. Enjoy many, did you? Far too many. <laughs> don't half make you feel a bit of the next day of all that sugar. Oh, God, I, I bet it Yeah. So, so, so the Portman Group do some good stuff. There's still this question over how they're funded and can they be truly independent as, as a result of that. Um, and then, obviously, there is the, the, the high-profile stuff that we've, we've mentioned a num- number of times, particularly in the case of the Tiny Rebel um, case that, that happened yeah. at the tail end of last year. I think I think part of what where I where where I get caught some in the middle is that I definitely agree there has to be some regulatory body, and if you can have self effective self regulation, then it's probably better than have an edict from the government all the time that something happens. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, funding. Every organisation needs to be funded. Now, you know. Even people like Camera get the odd brickbat thrown at them because obviously they have sponsorship from certain people through advertising and stuff. They have the link with Weatherspoons, that kind of stuff, as well as members paying festivals, fees, etc. Now, for us, we the Portman Group, we don't directly fund. Indirectly through us buying anything from those mainstream breweries. I guess the problem is, have they sort of crossed over from being this purely self-regulatory body which is trying to do the right thing all the time to maybe a bit of a lobbyist as well mm. direct and indirectly lobbying so by doing these kind of actions every now and again you know again i would argue that quitch from my point of view i don't see how that could end up tempting a kid because it's still going to be in the alcohol section of a bottle shop and off-license a supermarket. So, no more than a hooch, for example. And we're still selling hooch. Yeah, I um, agree. But they did make that edict. It gave them a very... It didn't do... It, for me, it didn't do them any favours because I didn't, I didn't see that as being beneficial, regardless of the number of complaints. 
I've, that could have been quashed mm-hmm. from the outside looking in. Um, when, and, and that's what that's what we're saying. Just just about that case. There's a couple yeah. of points I want to pick up about that case as well, because um, I, I'm, I'm sure most people have read this as well. Tiny Rebel did put out a, a very detailed blog. It was very uh, very uh, about. God, this is still so lemony. Uh, I, I know uh, about what happened. Now, obviously, they that they were their their major bugbear was um, that. Obviously, one person made this complaint mm-hmm. to, to, to the group and it, it cost them a, a lot of money as a result. But the points that they were making um, w- within that is that they can't just, they couldn't ignore what had happened and, and the, yeah, which is what the, the, the ruling that had been made. So, in, in, in a memo to the House of Commons Health Select Committee in 2009, the Portman Group stated that the code is self-regulatory and therefore sometimes referred to as voluntary. And then Tiny Rebel went on to say, this is potentially misleading. Compliance with the codes is mandatory. There is no opt-out for any drinks manufacturer because essentially the result of them opting out is, is that or, or they, they can't opt out. If they choose to ignore the ruling that's been made by Portman, then what happens is they get a notice issued to suppliers and to the end of the chain, the sellers, that they can't stock or carry that particular beer. So ultimately, it ends up impacting on them because they can't sell the beer. Yeah, so there'd be no point ignoring it. Yeah, so the, the, the point that they were making again there is that, you know, it ended up costing them an amount of money due to the one complaint, and that they weren't allowed to, to ignore it. And, and I think that was probably, I'd say that was probably the first time that the power that the Portman Group have was really brought to light. Certainly since I've been this involved in beer, that's, that's the first time I've really understood what this group can actually yeah, do. Yeah, and what this voluntary self-regulatory code actually means as well. I'm not necessarily saying I agree with one one complaint should mean that all hell breaks loose. But all I was saying is that just to give it a bit of context, it appears to be not alone in that attitude. Yeah. Um I, I just I still just find it astonishing because I also I mean has it has that has has quits changed that much? I mean the, they've, they've moved the teddy bear to the back of the label. Yeah. I mean sorry, I'm not sure the colours are still the same. Yeah. The font's still the same. All, all that they've moved is, is the teddy bear. But that was done in consultation with Portman. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I get all that. And, you know, but I, I don't... Again, I find it really hard to understand how whoever the independent body is behind the people who look at these kind of things when the complaints come in, how they make their judgments on what is or what isn't something that could attract potentially youngsters it would be interesting to understand that process yeah in in terms of because i think it's a again i think this was in the tiny rebel blog was it's it's a panel of 10 people that essentially make the decision and then make the ruling as as a result who are these 10 what's their expertise um have they got that kind of insight and awareness as well of what it might be um you know, where do they sit in that kind of thing? I, I like to go back to 
a few of the comments that were made, which we mentioned a little while ago about common sense and stuff. They, I, I don't see how it, it shouldn't be in a place where it can tempt uh, the vulnerable, the youngsters, and for those ones who are looking to get, you know, drink. I'm still not sure they're going to go for a three thirty can. It's not that you, you can also add to that what happens to the challenge twenty five when when they get to the till. Yeah, and I know in supermarkets that's exceptionally strict. I'm not sure it's the same in, in kind of corner shops and off licenses and that sort of thing. They all advertise it. it it's maybe a bit easier. I mean, yeah. I, I certainly then, it wasn't twenty five when I was sixteen and trying to buy alcohol. It wasn't challenge anything. No, no, you could just go in and. <laughs> Pour in your deep voice and, all right, governor. <laughs> you know, so, you know, maybe oversimplifying it, but like I said, I think that bit of the process is the bit which I think is slightly opaque to me at the moment. I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Um, but I thought that Tiny Rebel, when they brought out that post, was very informative. Very much so, yeah. And it didn't. Yeah. It wasn't bitter. I was very well written, very well worded, I thought. Yeah. They did it really well. Um, but... It did happen, but it's not, I said, it's not the only thing. And then this recent one about could dippers be banned under new Portman Group guidelines and stuff. I mean, obviously, dipper's just an easy one to use, but it would appear to be any strong beer, almost, it would, at a yeah. certain point. Yeah. Versus, so it's alcohol versus its quantity, isn't it? Well, you think about some of the uh, the heritage brews that Steve at Beer Nouveau is doing. They're, they're going to be they're going to be up there in terms yeah. of ABV, aren't they? And they're going to be in big bottles. Yeah. Uh, as, and they're not going to be caught, as, as as far as I know. No, unless so, Steve's changing his plans just because. Ma- of maybe maybe he is. And entitle it sharing heritage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, as as a result of the, the the poll that we did and and some of the feedback that we got, we actually approached the the, the Portman Group. So we we dropped them an email and we said, look, we're doing this we're doing this podcast. This is the the the, 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 the just, just of it. Um, we'd really like to offer you an opportunity to have some input into that. So they were really responsive, and they they, they came back to us in about two hours yeah. after we emailed them and said, "Yeah, we would we'd be happy to work with with you on this." So we we asked them a number of points, and they've given us. Um, a response to each of those points. So these responses have come directly from John Timothy, who's the CEO of the Portman Group. And um, I'm really happy to kind of exclusively reveal to our listeners as well that later on this week, you and I are going to sit down with John and we're actually going to record something for our next show. So, yeah, so uh, you know, the same day that this, this show you listen to now is going to be released. Um, some of you may be listening to it while we are over at the Portman Group actually chatting to them, chatting to them yeah. which I'm but the more I've read about them the more I've heard it I'm really looking forward to hearing what they have to say me, me too and obviously we're, we're, we've we've asked um, we've got some questions that we're going to ask them um, we're going to give them the opportunity to have a listen to what we've recorded tonight and almost have a right to reply to any of the comments that have been made that maybe they're not necessarily in agreement with, yeah. But I, th- I think it's great that they've actually that they've been that open that they're like straight away they're like, yeah, we're happy to to give you a statement for the show, but can we talk about doing actually a recording with you? And as a result, we managed to make literally that happened within a day of, of communication with them. Yeah, I mean, as, as well, probably helped that the time the stars aligned because we've got some, we've got something else to go to the same afternoon, and we actually had a gap. That gap is aligned with them having a space in the diary as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, I reckon that would be really interesting. 
we probably won't be able to ask them everything and they probably won't have enough time we've got 30 minutes yeah. with John and, and bearing in mind he's the CEO of this organisation I'm assuming there's a bit of call on his time for, for us to get 30 minutes in his diary in the middle of the day I'm, I'm really grateful for, for, yes. for that. So, so hopefully that'll be a great listen and that'll be, we'll, we'll be putting that into the next show. Yeah, so that, that'll as, be as, a, as direct, a follow-up, a direct follow-up to this. Yeah. So, um, um, so let's, let's just go over these points that we asked them and, and, and get their, their statement at this point. And it might be that we dig into some more of this when we actually sit down with John later on this week. So first point that we asked them was, what value do they feel they provide to the industry? Their response was that they exist for the benefit of all alcohol producers and retailers. It's in all of our best interests to promote responsibility and moderation while clamping down on the tiny minority that occasionally breach the rules. It's also true that if we didn't exist, there would be a system of statutory regulation. This would deny the industry a voice in the process, slow the speed and efficiency of decision making and would almost certainly stifle creativity. That's coming back to that government regulation thing, thing again, yeah. is, isn't it? I mean, it is a you know, it's it is a point. It's a good point, well made. Um, but I do think you're probably still going to have the charge levelled against them, and potentially by us as well. That aren't you still thinking about the few who support you rather than the ones you don't? Because I, I mean, do small brewers get the option to provide any funding? Have they ever been asked? You know, yeah. You know, if you if you like I said, I think you're sixty percent of the market. Well, well maybe quite, that's something that we asked John. Yeah, but sixty percent of the market, I think, is probably quite conservative when you said it earlier. Yeah. So that'd be an interesting thing. You know, the people who do fund you, and you know, who you essentially represent, how much of the drinks market in the UK does that get? It's probably quite a sizable sum. But again, I suppose the the, the question goes back to: there's probably a whole chunk of the the UK that doesn't give the monkeys. Probably. Yeah, and possibly people that don't even know who they are. Yeah, and the, the vast majority of, of of your general consumer of alcohol will not know that the Portman Group exists. But, but they will know about Drink Aware, probably a lot of the time. Yes, and this is where maybe Portman haven't done enough to publicise those things that they are doing. That is for the benefit of the general public. Maybe. Uh, the next point was, uh, what was the need for regulation within the beer sector? Uh, we need to stop seeing self-regulation as a burden and recognise that it is needed to maintain high industry standards and prevent irresponsible products and marketing. We want to play a positive part in reducing the harmful use of alcohol, but also to highlight the measures to tackle this should be targeted and proportionate and avoiding penalising the majority who drink responsibly. I passionately believe it is in the best interest of producers, whether they're large multinationals or tiny microbrewers. Ooh. Kind of goes back to your previous comment, that does, doesn't it? Yeah, but do the maybe another question would be to find out from them, or to, if there's any research or anyone knows, has there been anything similar that's happened to one of the big boys that has happened to say Tiny Rebel? You could probably say probably not because their packaging is fairly safe, isn't it? It's fairly conservative, um, but it would be interesting to find out, yeah, wouldn't it? Um, and the next point was in relation to what we've been discussing this evening which was the um, proposals for small pack in relation to high ABV we want to keep our rules relevant and up to date which is why we are currently consulting on changes to our code of practice 
With the removal of a daily unit threshold from the CMO guidelines, the independent complaints panel and drinks producers lost a long-established reference point for determining what constitutes immoderate consumption and as the guideline for running responsible promotions. We've suggested continuing with a four-unit threshold, but would like to hear what other people think. I still find it a strange one, but it's just in certain cases, which does tend to target the beer industry. Yep. Um, we then asked uh, we, we asked them about the point in terms of they are currently making moves for a code of conduct for non-discriminatory branding so this is looking at um, offensive branding in whatever format yep. that may take uh, we also want the industry's view on introducing a new code to prevent widespread offence our consultation runs until the 6th of July and at this stage everything is on the table and up for discussion that's why it's really important that as many people as possible respond. So that's, again, something positive that the group are doing that's maybe been missed. Well, I certainly haven't seen anything about it. Have you not? No. no. Okay. Well, and, well, there you go then. And one of the, I'm sure that one of the questions from one of our, uh, from our listeners was, um, what are they doing about, non, about being non-discriminatory on the, yeah. on, the, on the packaging and the labelling? So I... I haven't heard anything about it well again we'll, we'll have the opportunity yeah. to, to discuss that and then finally we just gave them an opportunity which was just simply anything else um, I know some people are sceptical about our self-regulatory approach what I'd say is please don't snipe from the sidelines come and get involved let us know what changes you want to see and make your voice heard my door is open to producers of all sizes so get in touch okay well we're not a producer but we have taken up the offer um, and we have got in touch and once again I'll just reiterate our thanks to to, to the guys at their media team um, in particular Lauren who, who we've been chatting with uh, or I've been chatting with at the other end of an email who got that statement from, from, from John in the space of four days and arranged for us to sit down with him to record something oh yeah pretty damn impressive well. pretty damn yeah. impressive um, so yeah, I like I said, I work in retail. I'm looking forward to that. It's um, going to be slightly off what we normally do when we go on location. Yeah, I'm not sure there's going to be any beer involved. I'm looking forward to that Bud Light though. Nate will be well chuffed <laughs> with us. Okay, so why we've been rattling through that, we've been finishing off the Leijing Lemon Saison Bière from... Eden River Brewery. Now this was, um, again, it was their first attempt at a Saison. Uh, lemon zest, juice, and the leftovers were placed in the kettle and fermenting vessel at different times throughout the process. I'm not surprised because- So basically all the lemon, which is what we It tasted like we were drinking a lemon. It was almost like I was chewing the rind. Yes, um, absolutely. I thought it did exactly what, a, what, you know, once you smell that lemon, it was there all the way through. It didn't let up from the first aroma to the last drop. Splitting a 440 can was perfect for me, however. Even, but even that amount was too much lemon. For, I could, for, I could for, I, for, it was definitely not one I could carry on dipping into and say, you know, say we are in a bar and it's in a two thirds, I'm not sure I'd order a second two thirds. No, no, I'm, I'm not. But a perfect, almost cleanser. Oh, for, for, definitely. For, for, I mean, for the point of the evening that we're at. Yes. So. You may have heard the first bottle of the evening. Which is interesting because in a lineup of seven beers, we've only got one bottle. Yes. Um, and this has uh, been very kindly sent to us by Emmanuel's, uh, by Nick, who uh, some of you may have read on Twitter, um, is stopping his own 
sideline as he works at the Sheffield Brewery um, and he's stopping his own sideline under Emmanuel Ailes. Um, so he's done a, a few last runs and the one which we've uh, chosen to do, the one which you know he especially looked looking for us to do was the Last Supper, the 10.4% double IPA. Back into that territory Back again. Back into that territory Are again. you ready to catch me when I fall, my <laughs> friend? Cheers. Oh, that's... I wasn't expecting that. Caramel? Loads creamy? of caramel. Really, it smells like a creamy toffee. Yeah. What fudge? Yes, that is a great shout. Tastes a bit like a fudge. It, it tastes like drinking liquid fudge. That wasn't what I was expecting. I mean, it's... First up... It's very dark. It's a lot darker than I expected. I mean, it has been bottled condition, but I don't. I think we've still got a bit left in the bottle. Um, yeah, I mean, um, interestingly, actually looking at the ingredients, uh, wheat is in it, which may go some way to explain the yeah. slightly darker appearance, as well as the malted barley. Glucose. Now, that's interesting because that came up in uh, one of the Cannonball Run podcasts that I've listened to, someone picked up that glucose had been added to Unhuman Cannonball as, as, as well. So um, basically adding sugar to make that yeast work harder. Oh, possibly. okay. Possibly, but I can't say I've noticed it before, but you know, I don't always, I tend to look at the ingredients more when yeah, they're showbiz. But... Forgive me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a brewer, although I've been told this before. If, if the yeast is working harder, the more sugar the yeast eats, the higher the ABV gets. Yeah, well, that's what um, uh, cider producers do. So, you know, if, especially if it's, a, say, a farm cider producer, and they want to get the ABV to stoke up a little bit, they will add sugar. Yeah. That's what they'll do to carry on every now and again, kick-starting that process, and then you will get the alcohol rising and stuff. But that doesn't always mean that you taste that overt sugar. Mm-hmm. going on that is particularly sweet probably one of the sweetest dippers I've had uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm interested uh, I mean Nick, Nick hasn't really told us whether he was going for west coast or east coast style on this but I'm I'm guessing with that sweetness it's possibly more east coast leaning because there, there's not a lot of bitterness coming through that yeah but it's more of the it's more of the English sweetness isn't it it is maybe, maybe it's more of like an English yeah an English IPA. dipper because that hasn't got that fruity sweetness going on this isn't like fructose going on here this is just sweet yeah it is it is very sweet I mean there's no bitterness in that no what, whatsoever no um, so thank you everyone yeah I mean loads of great comments yeah we've only read out selection for, for, for this this week's poll and uh, again just great that Portman have wanted to get involved in this so please look out for next the next show where we will have that interview with, with, with John but keep the comments coming um, on, on, on what we're doing and you may very well feature in this next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down okay so unsurprisingly um, we've had quite a bit of feedback 
uh, around well, the, after the last show around the Cannonball Run shows. So let's um, let, let's go into some of that. So uh, first up, Mark at Kelfire said, "Interested to see that you guys rated the Cannonball Run so highly this year. I found th- I found both human and hun- unhuman had dropped in quality, and that Neo was a weaker nor- nor- <laughs> North England style. Brilliant, straight away. <laughs> Did it again? Can people stop abbreviating it to NE because I see it?" And I just want to say North England. <laughs> okay, so a weaker New England style. Had all on tap on the first day. You've made me want to grab a can of each to try again. Well, I'm, now, glad, I'm glad we've encouraged you, but I think that maybe because it's a, and I'm going to put inverted commas around the word weaker, New England style is why we liked it. Possibly. I, I, I think so. I think it's interesting as well because I um, literally today as we're recording I listened to Men Behaving Badly do their cannonball run and um, they they made a point in that about um, annual releases and once an annual release is, is, once you've scored it at a certain point next year needs to be better and every year needs to be better and I made the point to them that actually I don't think you can measure each year against the previous year because each year, particularly with Unhuman Cannonball, Magic Rock have always been quite clear that they want to use the freshest hops that are available to them at that time. and they, In the quantity they require it, which in, is going yeah, up. Yeah, and they will make the best beer that they can from those hops. Now, hop harvests will change from year to year. In, in terms of quality, based on how well they've grown, how the seasons have been, how how they've been treated by the weather. So I think it's very, very difficult to, to measure one year to the next, and you should just literally be measuring on its own merits each each year now. Yeah, I think you will, we're human. We will always do some form of comparison. Um, you know, an easy thing is to do is to say films, original to sequel. Yeah. Or albums. Or original to reboot. Yeah. In, in some instances. And, um, you know, but whether it, whether it needs to be better, sometimes it can just be different, but you'll enjoy it just as much. Yeah, no, I think there's probably an element in there of you do get wrapped up in the moment. I mean, I said quite clearly on, on, on the Cannonball Run show, I think. Quite, quite clearly? Are you sure? Which bit of the show was this? <laughs> well, it was before the end, but let's be honest. Uh, it For me, that's a a special time in my beer calendar that Unhuman Cannibal released yeah. is, is, is always a special time for me and I, I've got to say I did generally think that and, and I've revisited each since and I'm going to do them again independently so I'm I, I, not, I want, a not a run I want to drink each beer on a fresh palate on its own on an evening to see how good it is I've done Cannonball and I'm going to stand by what I said on the Cannibal Run show that that's tasting better than it's tasted in a long time mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. I've I've since tried the other two again as part of the run. Human Cannibal, I've enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed it before. And an unhuman Cannibal, and again, I'm going to um, echo what a, a lot of the other podcasts have said that unhuman Cannibal is closer to Cannibal this year than Human is. Human still sits there as this kind of anomaly. I've disagreed with you for the last two years. I, I'm really comfortable with where Human Cannibal sits in the lineup. 
really comfortable. Well, we'll, we'll have that opportunity again to try them on Saturday, Saturday yeah. at the weekend. So um, thanks, thanks for that, Mark. Um, then next up, we had Graham Meakin at Graham underscore Meakin. Just finished listening to the Cannibal Run episode. Am I the only one in the beer world who is not a massive fan of Unhuman Cannonball? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think generally IPAs over 10% are too strong. Alcohol takes over for me and it can't be balanced. What do you think on that one? I think some people have, you know, I think I want, you know, if we go to the beer we're having now, it feels like the sweetness is the predominant flavour. And I would argue that, yes, if this was a dipper, you would, if this was your first experience with a dipper, you may not revisit. Um, the sweetness, I'm getting used to it, but that initial sweetness was quite tough to take. Um, so, yeah, I can see that because there are you can make beers rough with too much alcohol yeah you get that you get that big burn at the finish yeah. don't you that just and you, you, you yeah. don't want that sometimes and also there is a there is a tolerance thing as well I mean I quite like my food with a bit of spice I, you know I live in a house which doesn't I tend to have a little bottle of Tabasco sauce to add to certain foodstuffs <laughs> just to give it that bit of a kick yeah but it's not that's not for everyone so no reason why it should be the same with the alcohol levels and the IPAs yeah um, so uh, another one this was from Guy Miller at BrewGuy underscore uh, and, and this was replying to us putting out the, the, the previous show um, please hear that this is why opinions is one of the best thank you Guy uh, we always love that sort of feedback um, you as a brewery get real feedback not the opinions of sheep who say everything is great and amazing I learned more in my career from bad comments than good oh, it's a valid point I mean Although, you know, no one's looking for bad comments. I think that's, you know... We've that, had this discussion yeah. before. Whether that be in I, I think you can use bad comments to make yourself better. Doesn't mean you're looking for them, though. No, but... It's a bit like saying I want to something take it work and someone throws it back at me and says it's shit. Of course you don't want to do no that. There's no such thing as bad feedback, mate. I would disagree. There Especially isn't. depends how it's delivered. But that I can, you could also say that some good feedback is pointless as well. That, that, that's true. Th- things like, like, like you said, it's great and amazing. Yeah. That, that tells us nothing. No, what, what was constant. great about it exactly. what was amazing give me the detail that sits behind yeah. that um, so, so obviously that's that's all in response to the Cannibal Run show and we weren't the only podcast that have done the Cannibal Run show and I do want to give a shout out to, to the others that have so Men Behaving Badly uh, who came in at 2 hours and 45 minutes and I, I finished listening to it today and believe me the last hour is an absolute treat if, if 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 you all thought I was bad at the end of our show... Which was the last 10 minutes. Which was the last 10 minutes. That's where they started their last hour. And, and it just kind of went downhill from there. But give that a listen. Give those guys a listen. Give them a follow. Uh, we really like what they do. Yeah. Um, so, so listen to them. Tanked Up, who are a, a podcast about gaming and beer, did a cannonball run in three hours and 30 minutes. <laughs> I mean, this is... This, this is an obscene amount of, of podcasting time. Now, there is a lot of gaming talk in that particular episode as well because they're talking about the E3 um, convention uh, that, that's happening in the, the States right now, which is the big gaming convention yeah. that happens every year. So they talk about some of their predictions for that while doing the Cannonball Run. They do also hit a point where the wheels <laughs> come off. This, this is a standard thing that, that happens. Um, Sipping Forecast are hoping to put out a, a Cannibal Run episode, but Miles is telling me that um, 
it possibly cannonballed his computer, and and at the moment he can't actually get the file off of his computer oh, no. to, to, to to release it. And we've also heard tonight, as we we're recording, that apparently the Irish beer snobs are going to be doing a cannibal run show this weekend as well. So that there is going to be another one available for you to, to listen to. So don't just take our word on, on, on it. Have a listen to these other folks drinking these beers because there are a lot of similar comparisons being made to, to what we said on our show. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to listening to a couple of those. And I do hope... Um, Miles can get his one retrieved somehow. Oh, me too, because I, that's that's one that I absolutely want to hear. Because I'm not sure you can repeat it either. I don't think you can. I think the magic is in the first time yeah. that, that, that you do it. So, let's get into some comments, um, non-cannonball related We have some stuff. of those as well. We, we do have some of that as well. So, Neil Hayden, at Neil Hayden 73 was listening to the latest opinions, and Martin talked about how things like Stella, I think was seen as a strong drink. Now we look at those with that ABV, 5% as low, and to quote Beer O'Clock Show, <laughs> smashable. It was it was Stella, he was right, because that, that, the drink, one of the, my drinks I used to go to, and if if needs must, and I'm in a place which that's the macro lager of choice, I would, yep. I would have had a Stella. And yes, like I said, if you used to have a Stella in the old days, you were, there was, there was a certain... You know, stigma, almost a stigma attached to having Stella. And yeah, our perceptions, or definitely my perception um, of beers has changed, but also I'm probably less likely to always order pints as well, just to caveat some of that. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and with me as well, I mean, you know, all, all joking aside, if, if something is smashable, I'm, I'm probably looking at sub 5% on, on, on that and I am probably going to drink pints of it but I will get to a point where I'm like you know what I need something something else now yeah uh, or just less volume sometimes is also yeah. what, what you need but yeah, um, yeah no we appreciate that one now you may have heard me open and what will now be is the last can of the evening it will let's final thoughts on the last supper currently it's just a bit too sweet for me it I feel like it's, it is supposed to be hitting an English or British version of a dipper. But I just felt that that once I'd got that fudge in my head and that liquid fudge feeling that although it eased off, I think I was just more my palate getting used to it. I, I couldn't get away from fudge sundae. That, that's all I could taste while I was yeah. drinking it. And I, I like fudge. I mean, I haven't, you know me, I've got a lot less yeah. sweet tooth than you have, but I like fudge. I don't necessarily want it in my beer. I, I certainly don't want it in my double IPA. Yeah. So, um, but we've got some other beers that Nick, Nick has sent to us, so we'll, we'll be posting some reviews of those as well. But And it is sad to see that Nick brand go, yeah. go uh, uh, as well. And, it's just um, been, well, it's been re- retired. It's retired, not... yeah. And, and good luck to Nick for the future, which yeah. he's planning with, with his brewing with Sheffield Brewing Company as well so uh, and he has sent us a couple of Sheffield Brewing Company beers as well which we uh, I'm sure we'll try yeah that would be fun as well so off, off air so thank you and good luck Nick with, with a couple more comments to get to but you have opened another beer yeah now this um, was this this beer is the reason why Paul at Fallen Brewing got in contact with us and sent us the beers it is indeed and, and this is an interesting one because I can't remember the beer that we were talking about I that prompted think this it was the beer from Signature Brew which was a barrel aged beer in a can oh anthology which I think we did on the last pins on film and also on the Signature Brew show yeah 
um, and they were talking about putting it into red wine barrels. Yeah, and we got. I think we excited about. Was that the first time it happened? Yeah, and. So Paul got in touch and said, no, we've got this beer. Yeah. So what what is it that you sent us? So Fallen Brewing, double-barrelled choo-choo. So keeping with the, the theme train, theme of trains. Choo-choo spelled C-H-E-W. Red wine edition comes in at 10%. Wow, that's, that's quite a big beer then. Cheers. So choo-choo is normally their salted caramel stout? I think so. Soft on the nose. Yeah. My word. That's rather tasty. That's velvety smooth. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm. There's some real mouthfeel going on in, in, in that. I I this could possibly make me change my stance on stouts in cans. Ooh. But let's, let's that's say, right. We've got a few right. more minutes before few, you few, make few a final minutes. decision there. So Ben Marlowe hyphen booth at Ben Marlowe booth um, had a bit of a pop at me. Said Punk IPA four out of five. Would you agree? Other beers can only be twenty five percent better than Punk. Lol. I don't want to drink in that world. Well, I think that was part of the discussion which we had on the last one as well, where I I referenced I checked in at four and a half, four out of five, and somebody said you must be in equity yeah. for Punk. Um, I would argue that you don't just because it's four out of five doesn't mean there's another twenty five percent left because that's a bit like saying if you do twenty five percent everything extra with a Bugatti Veyron it'll go twenty five percent faster. It doesn't. It's everything's incremental. Yeah. Um, for us, I think we both agree that punk is consistent, accessible, easy to drink. Yeah. Rarely lets me down, especially I, these days. I, I replied to Ben on Twitter, which is kind of sits outside of what we normally do but I was like well I feel as I need to justify my position on this and I mentioned things like consistency availability and because punk is a four again I'm not measuring other beers against punk I I measure beers on their own merits so yes punk might be a four out of five for a number of reasons but cannonball will be a five out of five because it's cannonball Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's great um, but I'm not measuring Cannonball against Punk. Yeah, Punk's not your measure. I'm, I'm measuring Cannonball against itself. Yeah. I'm measuring Punk against itself. And if, if there's any point at which there's a dodgy batch of, uh, of, of Punk, that four out of five may change. Yeah, my, 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 to, my scores go down, but I would say that recently the Punks yeah. I've been having have been, have been good. Punk, punk is probably as consistent as you would ever want a beer of that style to be right now yes. in, in, in the UK. And I had a couple. Um, there was a cu- I had a couple on the plane as well. So not only was satisfied having two pints at the airport. You had more on the plane. It was either that or Heineken or Copperberg. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Ruth Mitchell at Beer Ferry. Uh, great to have Ruth getting involved again. Um, got in touch following the Are We Coping show. So the episode sixty two that we did with Hop Stuff. Yeah. Um, to to give us some information about um, the licensed trade charity. Now, okay. What's I, that? Well, I'm, I'm not familiar with this. I, I wasn't aware of this. So um, licensed trade charity helps pub. Uh, pub bar and brewery people when you're in need of help we continue to support hundreds of people facing a crisis with practical emotional and financial support um, it's estimated that around 250,000 people work in the licensed trade are in need of support at any one time they're, they're basically a charity that provides that mental health and well-being support that we said was missing in that show 
or, or that we said maybe wasn't always there in that show. Okay, yeah. Um, and that they are that they are a charity, so they do rely on obviously donations and that sort of thing. But it's it's worth checking out their website. So licensedtradecharity.org.uk or if you work in the industry and you are in need of help, there's a 24 seven um, helpline that you can call, which is 0808-801-0550. Um, all that information will be in the show notes if people want to read it. So Ruth, thanks so much for getting in touch with that. Yeah, thank I think you. That's, that, that's a valuable addition to that, that particular yeah. show. And then the last one um, was from Rob at Hopzine, uh, and this was around the discussion that we were having around uh, all-in festival tickets. Um, I agree that value for money is in your minds at festivals like the McKellar Beer Celebration, but how do you quantify value for money, volume or opportunity to try rarities? So we put that out as a poll. Um, let's be honest, that poll crashed and burned. Nobody was interested no. in, 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 in that. I, mean, we, I, think, I think partly the, it was partly because it was so close to when we'd done the original poll as well. Mm. But it was it was an interesting experiment because it was kind of what would happen if we did a, a follow-up poll to a poll. Yeah. So it's almost, you're beginning to get a bit meta with this. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah you, you can turn in, turn in on yourself, yeah, etc. Yeah, but so 103 people voted um, and the majority of people said that it was, it was about opportunity more than anything else. So 65% of people said it was about opportunity more than anything else. Um, in in terms of what what are your thoughts on all in tickets? Yeah, I mean um, we didn't get really that much more new insight. The, the there was, poll. which is why we're not really digging into it right yeah. now. But um, I just wanted to make sure that we commented on it because obviously people did make the effort to comment, but just not to to the normal level of engagement yeah. that, that that we get. Um, and then, just to finish, uh, obviously we have Paul's question of the week. Questions, questions, fill my head. And this is an interesting one. Um, is there a beer that you think tastes better in bottle or can than it does on keg or cask? And that's from Paul at UNRCV, as it always is. So, um, can you think of one? The only one I could come up with, um, and the caveat for this, for anyone who doesn't know me, but wouldn't be, it would be a surprise. Um, as a lot of my favourite beers are cask, I think it's quite hard to replicate cask in any other format anyway a lot of the time. Um, but going through all my my untapped, the only one I could come up with, and it's probably not entirely accurate because it's a slightly different beer, uh, broadside in the bottle is better than broadside on cask. But essentially it's a different beer. That's that's very true. There's, it's 2% worth of a different beer. Yeah, so, you know, the cask is 4.7 and you're 6 plus on the, on the broadside and... Yes, there are obviously similarities between them. And if I'm in the pub and Adam's broadside is on cask, I'll have it. But if I'm at home, I wouldn't want that version. I'd have the 6 plus N plus version yeah. of broadside. If, if I'm at home, I want a bottle of broadside. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been having a real craving for broadside recently. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. Just every now and again, I just like need a bottle of broadside. broadside. Um, so that's the only one I could come up with. What Did you come up with anything? Well... Initially, I couldn't come up with anything because generally, I feel uh, I feel the the keg or the cask version of a beer is how that beer is supposed to be presented. I don't think I can think of anything that tastes. I do think it's a good question, but that, that it, tastes better. I did, I did go through my list, and I thought, no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't even begin to narrow that down on Untapped in 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 terms of 
Well, I went through my go to. How, how would I quantify that? Well, I went through for my like my favourite beers. So your top ten or top fifteen of things you've checked in the most, and the bulk of those, a good fifty percent of those are ones I prefer on cask. So straight away, I don't see how they can be better than any other dispenser. Anyway. Oh, okay, okay. Then maybe you, now you've mentioned that top ten thing, maybe occasionally Punk IPA will taste amazing out of the can. It will taste so much better on on, on in in the can than it will on draft. I think that's occasional. That's just maybe the last Punk IPA you had on draft wasn't quite as fresh as you picking up a banging can, so to speak. Well, yeah, because now that, Punk's available in spoons. It's I, I'm iffy with whether it's always the same quality like said, in spoons. And Gatwick, on comparing it directly from the two I had at Gatwick to the two I had on the EasyJet plane, the Punk at the tab was far better. So no, for me, broadside, but essentially it's a different beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a completely different beer, yeah. But it's a good question. It's a great question. Do you reckon, do you reckon Paul spends the best part of 13 days coming up with these questions for I us? D- I think he does, but then also, again, if you listen to Men Behaving Badly's Cannonball Run, and obviously they asked their audience for questions, yeah. 90% of the questions they got was from Paul. Which I think they fair, they did anticipate. Yeah, despite me trying to get involved with a load <laughs> of ridiculous questions. Yes, but, as, yeah. as a, but... I think Paul asked some beer-related questions. I'm not sure you asked all the beer-related. I asked one beer-related question. Yeah, and you asked more than one question. I, I did. They didn't answer my question in terms of who would win in a race between Quicksilver and the Flash, <laughs> which is the one that I really want to answer. <laughs> but they didn't answer that. Um, so uh, that's 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 the end of that. And if, if you want to be uh, involved in that next time, or round, if you have. A beer which tastes better in the bottle or can than it does in keg and cast, let us know. Yes, use the hashtag opinions yeah. and we will find you and we will discuss it next time. So, uh, we are rapidly approaching the end of our double barreled choo choo. What are you thinking of this? It is delicious. I remember how I felt having that signature, and it was at the end of a similar sort of quantity run as well. Yep. Um, I'm thinking, but this is just a slight notch above that. I have to admit, this has got a certain smoothness about it. The flavours are really quite subtle and well balanced. It's got a really nice drinkability about it as well. It's it's incredibly drinkable for the the ten percent that it comes in at. Um, it's that there's a there's a hint of dark chocolate bitterness in there. Mm-hmm. It's right, I would at, say, right at the roofy, roofy amount. I would say dark chocolate with like some fruit in it, some red fruits yeah. around it, which is obviously where it's picked up from the red wine yeah. ba- barrels. Uh, it's it's an incredibly drinkable beer. I mean, this is one I don't really want three thirty meals. Yeah. This to share with you. No, I want four forty. Three thirty is no good for oh, sharing. Oh, Five hundred. But oh, thank- I want a big fucking bomber of this to but, share. But thank you, Paul, for sending this plus yes. the other beers down. In an amazing bit of packaging, nothing was going to happen to those cans, really? I can tell you. Yeah, I think he used up every spare bit of cardboard and wrap. Brilliant. <laughs> but but not not just thanks to Paul, thanks to um, Laura, Linda and Nick, who have all sent us beers to feature on tonight's show. Yep. Um, we're incredibly grateful um, to, to, to you guys as the representatives of your, your breweries, so Abbeydale, Eden, Fallen and Emmanuel's. Um, it's always great to, to to get beer in the post 
um, even better than when we can put it on a show and uh, and we can yeah, talk which about we, it you know, and we we'll, can showcase it as we well. Are hyper- we've had some different beers tonight as well. It's been a, it's been we, a good we mix. Have. It's been it's been a nice nice range of, of beers. I mean, to be fair, from what we were saying, we could have done a show purely of IPAs. Yes, which I would have loved. You would have done. I would have happily done, but. I wanted to mix it up a little bit no, no, and, 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 and get in there. I do just want to say at this point, actually, something I meant, meant to mention earlier, going back to the Ragnar Raspberry yeah. beer, um, we were questioning what that uh, pellet was. Yeah. Um, I've since looked it up on, on, on Google. Modern so, technology. Modern technology, indeed. So um, the Barb Rouge French pellet is a hop. Um, and it is um, specifically from uh, France, uh, which we actually said we didn't think French produced hops. Um, it's extremely rare, though, and it's a delicate aroma hop. It's native to France. Um, and what it does, it is um, floral and fruity with red fruit, strawberry and bubblegum notes. And it's typically used in Belgian owls, saisons and palaus. So I'm wondering if that they used that to impart oh, those raspberry flavours. There's, like I said, they've they haven't actually got the word raspberry. No, which, on which there. we we both missed on yeah, the first first look. game yeah. because you you read what you think is there, don't you? Yeah. Um, well, with the colours and everything, it, yeah, they're, it they're leaders, raspberry. Yeah, yeah, which they did really well, but they haven't actually used that. So, you know, there's been a real good range of beers, um, all different types of paint. We've had bottle cans. Wrap cans, four forties, three thirties. There's such variety out there at the moment, isn't there? It's it, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely great. So, um, what are we doing next time, mate? Uh, let me think. Are we doing gluten free? We are doing gluten free. Yes, I read the schedule. Yes, you, you read the schedule and and the notes that are right in front of you. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're going to try uh, a range of gluten free beers. Yeah. Um. To see. Well, see what's out see there. See if there's any difference. Do we spot the difference? Because it's not something that you and I look out for. No. Um, but I think they're probably coming more and more to the fore these days. Absolutely. Especially, Especially the craft beer world anyway. Yeah, very much so. So we'll look forward to doing that next time. Yeah. Uh, as always, continue to get involved. And we are going to retire to enjoy the rest of our Dunn's Barrel Choo Choo. Damn good. Cheers. Cheers. But you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steel if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up! It was a clear black night, a clear white moon Warren G was on the streets, trying to consume Some skirts for the E, so I could get some phones Rolling in my ride, chilling all alone Just hit the east side of the